Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 1059 with Chris Yonker. If no one gets anything else out of this episode but this idea that in order for my business to get better, I have to get better. In order for my business to grow, I need to grow. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This podcast was made possible by Restaurant Systems Pro, and we need to let you know that every second and fourth Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, Fred Langley, will be going live where he'll cover what you need to know about running a profitable restaurant from soup to nuts. This live event will reveal the steps to manage the service and financial goals for your restaurant's productivity. To learn more, head to go.restaurantsystemspro.com dot net slash restaurant unstoppable this episode made possible by restaurant technologies inc rti's total oil management automates your entire cooking oil process with total oil management you get dependable fresh bulk cooking oil delivery filtration plus oil usage monitoring and reporting easy oil disposal use cooking oil pickup and recycling and say goodbye to messy dangerous restaurant rendering tanks yuck RTI's end-to-end cooking oil system helps you manage your used cooking oil disposal, storage, collection, and recycling conveniently, safely, and cleanly with no upfront cost. Restaurant Technologies, Inc. is always on, so you don't have to be. To learn more, head to rti-inc.com and let them know Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast sent you their way. This episode brought to you by Owner.com. Owner.com is the leading all-in-one platform for restaurant marketing. Owner.com powers everything from SEO-optimized websites, direct online ordering, automated email and text marketing, built-in loyalty programs, zero commission delivery, and branded mobile apps for your restaurant that's integrated right into your POS. With Owner.com, there's no contract, no hidden fees, and nothing to lose. Join thousands of restaurant owners using Owner.com to grow direct online sales, save thousands in third-party fees, and simplify their online ordering presence all in one. Book a free demo today at owner.com slash unstoppable and see why owner.com is the number one rated restaurant marketing software. Imagine you had an employee who never called out, kept inventory in line, could spit out sales and cost data at a moment's notice, and saved you hours of work. You'd want to hire that person, right? Margin Edge is the boost in efficiency you need and doesn't add to your labor cost. Margin Edge is a complete restaurant management software that allows you to seamlessly manage all aspects of your business from one central location. With Margin Edge, you can track food costs in real time, make inventory faster and less tedious, easily cost out your recipes, and get a daily P&L so you always know where you stand. Visit MarginEdge.com slash Unstoppable to learn more and to get a free monthly restaurant sales report packed with exclusive industry trends, data, and insights. Once more, that's MarginEdge, M-A-R-G-I-N-E-D-G-E.com slash Unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, the founder of the Center for Conscious Living and Fulfillment and the host of the Secret Thoughts of CEOs podcast, Chris Yonker. My man, Chris, are you feeling unstoppable today? Uh, 
Yeah, thank you for having Dude, me here. Psyched to have you here, and this is cool because uh, you know, my first memory of you is being a public speaker. Uh, you were you had a gig at uh, Great Bay Community College at the time. I was taking classes for marketing and hospitality, mm. and I just remember thinking to myself, I, "I vibe with this dude." It was twelve years ago. I can't remember yeah. exactly what the the, the the conversation was about, but it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was centered around leadership and just like like personal growth. Does that yeah, sound right like on. something you'd be speaking to speaking yep, about? I'd say it's accurate. Yeah, yeah. man. And mm-hmm. um, we just over the past ten years, like both being entrepreneurs, working in coffee shops, we're, co- we're constantly yeah. cro- crossing paths. And we saw each other in Chicago. That's How right. weird was that? At the, that's right. Uh, we're at the restaurant show, which is a freaking badass show. Thousands I, of I, I, I was, I loved it. I was there for a client who uh, sells into that realm. And uh, what a fun place. And you can go around and eat stuff. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool. wild show yeah. every year they put on there. Uh, but basically where I'm going with this is it feels like the universe has like been suggesting we do something together. Mm. We're probably far overdue to be sitting down and officially recording in person. But I can't wait to dive into a little bit of, of who you are, the work you're doing, your knowledge. And we're going to be talking about something that we never talk a lot about on the show. But in the world of restaurants, I feel like this probably is more common than other verticals. But secession. The, yeah. the family business, paying it, mm. like, you know, the, giving it to the next generation. And what does that look like? Uh, so we have a lot to unpack today. I can't wait to get into it. But before we do dive in, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Okay. You, you brought that up a few minutes ago that you were going to drop this. And I'm like, well, where do I go? What, <laughs> what, what, and now I, one that always kind of comes to me is, um, is one that uh, it's not so much to be busy. So too are the ants. The question is, what are you busy about? Is uh, and I don't remember if that. I think it's Henry David Thoreau that um, is that 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 that, that, that came from. So say it sure. one more time. For me. Yeah, it's not so much to be busy. So two are the ants. You know, like the ants on the ground. Not yeah. your not your aunt and uncle. Got it. the ants. And the question is, what are you busy about? See, so we have twenty four hours in the day. Right. We have. A week, a month, we can fill in the the badge of busy. How are you busy? I bet you're busy. Oh, you're busy. Maybe you asked me how my day was today or earlier, right? Like it's a common question, right? And then you you went into like, hey, you, you something like so you're busy. Oh well, shit, I'm, we're all feeling our time right. busy. I don't know, like doing what, right? You know, and it's it's uh it's a we have an epidemic of busyness. I think no, we, we, we got to fill every every damn minute of every day of doing yeah. something. You know, when I heard you say it immediately, what was going through my mind was just this idea that I feel like it's, it's just being intentional with your time. Right. Um, like you said, 24 hours to a day, we all have a week, we all have a month, but though I think no matter who you are and what your privilege is, no matter where you come from, the, the com the, the most equalizing thing is we all have the same amount of time. In we a do. Day. No matter where you fall on the spectrum of, yep. of privilege. So like, what are you doing with your time to yep. get ahead and being like living intentionally? Well, you added in to get ahead. I didn't add that in. What's that? You said to get ahead. I didn't. Say, I didn't add that piece in. Oh, but right? you did add that in. I did. It's I an did. inference. Is that? Is that? I don't issue? know. It's just what are you doing? In it. It's. It's. Right. It's a reflection. It's. It's an awareness. It's a. It's a check in. Where. Where am I at on that? And yeah. there might. You know, and 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 that's we can go. We can go really deep on this whole idea of getting ahead or whatever it is. You know, like what's. What's that mean? Like what? Right. How do you? I, I've I've had entrepreneurs I've worked with that have owned. Very large businesses. Well, all the clients work with have large businesses. We work with privately held companies predominantly, and we can talk about that. But um, these folks, as they're looking at, especially in succession, 
what am I going to do next? Which is a whole to- other topic of letting go, especially if you're a fir- first generation founder. But then it's, well, what, what's this all about? Why the hell am I here? What am I trying to accomplish? What is success? What's right. success supposed to be? Is it, you know? Um, I think that's a really important question. I think that we're kind of in this time right now where there's almost like this uh, shift of values happening yes. where the next generation of professionals are like, do I really need to make a million dollars? It's a great Do I need to make multi-six-figure? I don't know. What, can you know, I what, be happy that? with 60, Who am I trying 000? to impress? What right? am I trying to accomplish here? What, who's... You know, it's, it's all, we've, we've been, a lot of us have been imprinted from society and our upbringing in regards to who we are and what we're here to do and what that's supposed to be. And then how we measure ourselves against that in our lives. And it creates a lot of our madness. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy you're starting here because in, in all my conversations, uh, and I think one thing I've noticed about you that's unique to the work you do is you... You know, you would tell a lot of people to like think about the life you want and then reverse engineer it, but you don't hear a lot about, I mean, you hear core values come into conversations, but really doing the, the work to distill who you are, what do you, what do you want as a person first and yeah. how do you manifest that? How do you reverse engineer that? And I think, yeah. I think it's kind of bedrocked, like, like embedded into society that like the most important thing is status and wealth. But mm. what are your th- thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's interesting one, right? When we talk, we most people want to be happy. Most people want to have joy, peace, fulfillment. Yeah. Like, like you check these boxes. If you look at like happiness, and joy, and peace, if you're tying conditions to your external reality, like something that has to occur ex- externally, to you obtaining these emotions, then you're never going to get there. That's part of the challenge. So there's a big difference between intrinsic motivation, which comes from within, and extrinsic motivation. Like, what, what do I have? Like, oh, well, when are you happy? Well, when um, I make someone proud or when someone tells me I did a good job or, you know, whatever that is. You, I've asked people these questions, you know, what, 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 do you, what, what drives your fulfillment? Oh, when f- folks um, acknowledge my work or someone's, you know, that when I see this and a smile on someone's face, that can be great that it gives you a serotonin hit. That's awesome. But if you're tying your own happiness to the external condition, then what's going to happen when that external condition doesn't, doesn't occur? Right. Then you get to be unhappy. Right. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I think in the restaurant industry, um, people in this industry are specifically kind of like junkies when it comes to being seen, being mm-hmm. recognized. I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why... Uh, I mean, people in the restaurant industry notoriously have a substance abuse issue. Like it's, it's no, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you see whether it's alcohol or drugs, mm-hmm. people who are, you know, hooked on those chemicals dr- are drawn to this industry. But I think that it's true to being seen and recognized. I think that we are also hooked on that. And what mm-hmm. other industry, lets you get instant gratification over and over and over and over again, sometimes a hundred times in a night when you're seeing that immediate yeah. reaction on the guests and their experience and the, when they're enjoying it, it's like, it's a drug. Um, mm-hmm. And to your point, like what happens, like, like I think that we 
take it even further. And a lot of people want to be seen and they don't feel seen until they get that James Beard award or that Michelin star. Mm. And some of these, some of these people get into the industry with that being their goal. Right. Like I want this level of industry recognition and accolade. I I see it getting really dangerous when you don't get those things and you think Mm. you're a loser. Meanwhile, you you're making hundreds of people happy every night. Right. You know, like what is important to you? What's going through your mind as I'm saying? Yeah. I would, I would think to that person, why did you choose to get into, you know, the industry? What is what was the driver for you, and what are you, what are you trying to accomplish, right? With you know the the mission of your if, of your establishment, whether it be to create community, right, or to you know to create an experience or a combination thereof, whatever that that movie is, is you know I we 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 we, we like to go out and and we you know we we follow the food scene to the degree I would say, and um. And there's, you know, it's it's a really cool topic because it's something that we all share all over the planet, right? And, it, yeah. and and if you look at at community, and you look at socialization, which is actually part of the longevity situation, if you if you study the the blue zones, and there's been a lot of documentation on this, having a social, right, having a good social um, group of people around you, and typically when you see people around, food is in the mix. Of being oh, social, sure. right? Yeah. So it's it in some cases it's tied to our, our our life experience. No matter what the culture is, food is a fabric within that. And so the folks that you know you, you get to meet with on a regular basis, it's kind yeah. of neat that they they get to provide the opportunity for people to enhance their lives and have this this right. deep. The, you know these deep relationships and, and you know and place to go when i say things like the restaurant industry is going to change the world i mean it and that's for mm-hmm. all those things that you're pointing out like it's it's the food and beverage is so ingrained into our dna into yeah. what we are that we almost don't even it's like air we don't even recognize our our like it's a thing we take for granted mm-hmm. we need it to survive it's a part and what what we put into our bodies with the exception of maybe salt was once living it's all connected it was yeah. it's all life it's this cycle of life and it, but beyond that it's it's this idea of you know we literally get to be like our work is being gracious it's, it's being generous and i think that that idea of just giving and bringing people together and reminding like how people will connect to the roots of what it means to be human is what mm-hmm. we do. And I think in a time where we're getting so away from what it means to be human, like I think it's the restaurant industry that's going to like keep people grounded. What, what about, yeah. what do you think of that? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't disagree. That's, I it, didn't it mean provides, to get into this little rabbit hole. It provides so a place. Well, it doesn't, I mean, it's, if I'm not meeting with friends at a fan, at, at their home, right. Where am I going to meet them? At their right. house. Wait, no, right. at a restaurant. At their, right. Yeah. The restaurant's right. going to be up there, isn't yeah. it? It's going to be one of the top places we're going to get together. Right. Is it not? You and I got together recently. We went to a coffee shop. Yeah, where were we? Right? right. So it was, you know, we could have met here, sure, but it was just, it, it's, there's an energy, there's a, like a vibrational energy of that environment also that, right. that caters to what it it's is. It's powerful. That, yeah. It and is. I don't even know if restaurant tours are aware of this. You know what I mean? Mm. I think we're, we, we have, we've commercialized and, you know, like, uh, what's a commoditized mm. this thing that it was literally yeah. once living, you know, yeah. food for the most part, mm-hmm. less salt, you know, or like everything we consume is, you know, it's, it's all tied. It's life, you know, mm-hmm. like we're, we are experiencing life and we're giving life in that moment. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's like, it's kind of crazy how we just got away from that. But anyway, I, I, I feel like we're going into a rabbit hole right now. Right. Rabbit holes right are right good. I don't mind them, but, um, we find the best things. Help me understand who you are. Help me mm-hmm. and, and the listeners kind of get a better idea of who Chris Yonker is and, and, you know, how you got to where you, you know, the work you're doing today. Yeah. Um, so the nonlinear path, I was 
born in the Midwest. Okay. Only child. Um, grew up in a dysfunctional home with substance abuse um, with both parents. And um, it's, I, I, I went through the ringer. And I was like, a, I had no self-confidence, no self-esteem, self-worth. My level of self-love was low. Um, it was a bullying target. Um, so I was, I was early in it. It was a, it's funny when folks, some of the things like, oh, you're going to go back, you know, talk about high school. Hey, do you want to go back to high school? I'm like, no, I don't. It was a miserable experience. Like I, I really did not enjoy my high school. Some people do. I did not. It was a transformative time for me. I started studying karate, uh, when I was 15. I, was I, still, I knew that about you and I was curious if this yeah, is why. I still, I still do today. Um, at 54, so it's you can do the math on that. I've never stopped working out and instructing for quite some time. It's a it's part of the fabric of just my being of who I am. But that allowed that experience allowed me to have a new reality that said, oh, "Wait a minute, maybe I can do something and have success with that." Like I, I'm 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 advancing in rank, and it gave me a situation where I could accomplish something and it fed my self-worth and self-esteem. And then that, I started not even knowing I was doing this, I started challenging my own paradigm around my ability. That coupled with the fact that I'm a personal development junkie and I and then I got hired at 3M out of college, worked there for over 25 years. What's 3M? 3M, uh, Scotch Tape Company, oh, okay. Filtreed. Uh, Posted Notes, um, can go on and on. Got it, got it. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, and what were you doing for them? Uh, I was in sales, uh, so I started in just direct sales, and then I worked into a leadership role where I helped manage strategy and execution uh, nationally on, on part part of the part of our business. And how long were you doing that? Um, well, the leadership side probably ten years, but twenty five years of, of of time at 3M altogether. Oh wow! Yeah, twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah. So, so I, was that what you were doing right up until you left to do your own? Yeah. Job? So I started my own business in parallel. And I've been running my own company now for 10 years, but um, I was, you know, up to, let's say five years ago, I was still doing both. And, um, you know, I had a, a good six-figure income from, from uh, you know, and, and, and also a pension and all the benefits and a car and all things that come with that. But I started building my own uh, consulting business and, and, and coaching business because along that line, I was, because I was investing so much time and money into my own personal development a lot. And I trained with Anthony Robbins' original mentor who worked with me on, on how to learn in NLP. And I just kept t- taking this work to my own life and then to people I came across. And then it led to people asking me if I could help them. So what I'm was like, the early work you were doing on yourself? Wow. Um, I think one of the biggest things that hit me was, and this was probably, I want to go back maybe, it doesn't really matter, let's say 20 years ago was getting exposed to things around like Think and Grow Rich, which is a book by Napoleon Hill. It's been around a very long time. Napoleon Hill was basically hired to study the wealthiest people at the time. Ironically, that book popped into my head when you opened it with your, your quote, being really? intentional with your time. Because one of the big takeaways for me in that book was that the people who are successful commit 100% of everything mm-hmm. they do, their attention to whatever it is that they want, their, mm-hmm. their vision, their dream. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that's, uh, good for you to, to, and there's a lot of folks in your, um, age range 
who've never heard of the book, right? It's been around a long time. Fewer and fewer people haven't heard of that book. I feel like as we march into the future, I don't know if it's just because I am getting more into this stuff, but it Mm. seems like more and more average people are getting access to this type of... Have you not noticed that? Um, To some degree, yes. Psycho-Cybernetics is another one that's a really interesting book by uh, by Maltz. Uh, That's another piece of work that I studied. Um, So as I got into these books... I realized, and then I and I worked with a coach, my first coach, Tom, who I'm still uh, great friends with. I re- I'm like, wait a minute. These things I'm thinking are driving my experiences. <laughs> I was like, what? It was like I literally took like Tom helped me. He gave me like this red pill, you know, back to the Matrix, and I was like, holy! I started seeing. I'm like, why didn't someone tell me all this before? This is, this is fascinating. I could actually have authority over my emotions. My emotions just people right. don't make me mad. I'm actually involved with that situation. It's a choice. Yeah, it's but crazy. I, 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 and so I just, it was almost like there's this uh, cause and effect scenario um, that um, Covey talked about. Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is a great book I studied back about 25 years, 30 years ago. And there's a space in between cause and effect. And so then that's, that's where decision happens. That's where the space of something happens. What meaning am I assigning to whatever this is? And then the choice I make around that. But even the meaning I assign to that, that's all, it's, all, it's all fabrication. Right. Do you, in that moment, divert your attention to letting your primal instinct take over and well, your emotion, i.e. emotion, or well, can, sure. Or do you let the, the, that frontal lobe, do you divert that energy to the more outer part of your brain, the less primitive? Yeah, well, it's hard. sometimes it's hard to override, right? right? When we get in a fright or flight, it's, it's, it can be very difficult. You don't have the time to, to Right, the, you're, you're in it, yeah. right? And we all, we all have a sense of security. And because I grew up in a situation that had so much uncertainty day to day in my childhood of how life was going to be in a day or in an afternoon or in an evening, it created this high alert environment where my parasympathetic nervous system, even today to some degree at times, it goes into high alert all of a sudden. Like this, you know, I'm like, I'm operating at this intense level and it's, um, it, it's fascinating. You know, as I become more and more aware, I can start unwinding and working on it, you know, through, through, Different practices that you know I started you know studying studying yoga and working with you know I, and I was just like okay you know my think I think thank God for my wife to, to follow that path over twenty years ago, but then coming across you know just coming across other people I'm like and I'll I'll track people down I'm like oh I want to I want to hire this person who's one of the top people in the field that I think can teach me you know and I will work with them and I because I want to. I want to take it in, right? And so I'm, I, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars a year to this day on my own personal development. Yeah. And it all started with this mentor you hired, Tom, who yeah, Tom. He, he started like recommending these books to you. He did. To, he nice. did. Nice. He did. Um, so 25 years working at uh, M3, was it? 3M, 3M man. 3M, 3M, Scott, the Scotch tape. I know. You, you got to know what that post-it notes like. Who doesn't sh- know what I that is? I know what Scotch tape is. I yeah. know what post-it Scotch notes guard. Are. I never knew that 3M was behind it. Yeah, they. yep, absolutely. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're doing it for 25 years. Yes. You, you start you know, putting this money that you're making back into yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, were you unhappy or did you feel like you needed to get ahead? Like what was, what was driving yeah, this? I was, I was driven... 
I was, I know, I still am. I'll call myself a high, a recovering high achiever. Okay, what I'm just mean? like the clients that I that I serve today, people who are very driven on extrinsic motivation to be the best, to, to you know whatever it is. I, oh, what are your goals? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z, and 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 goals are good. I'm I'm not against them at all. But when we're we're driving goals against like, well, I want to be a millionaire and I want to do this or that. I mean, I had a best selling author that that had hired me a few years a few years ago. Um, and I remember her telling, you know, and ask her, what do you want? I want, you know, and she's done very, very well. I want a private plane so I can fly it back home and tell everyone, you know, you know, you know, how, how great I've done, you know, it's like, whoo, is that literally what you asked or said that you wanted? That's what she said. She wanted, that's what she said. She, yeah, wanted. she wanted a private plane so she could fly back home and prove, you know, it's kind of good. You know, it goes back to like, look, look at me. Let me prove, prove myself. Right. Yeah. Well, I think what what comes to my mind when I hear you say this, I think of Simon Sinek's one of the mm. I think it's his more recent works, The Infinite Game. Or, oh yeah, that's right. Where that's like right. he basically what he talks about what you're describing right now is I think there was a society that was kind of all, you know, like like all like just consumed with status and materialistic. The extrinsic is that what you're talking? Yeah. Well, thing? basically the yeah that it's, it's like I've got to hit this goal and then I'm you know and then I'm good. But then he kind of is like, well, what if it's ongoing? Like, what if the game's ongoing? It's not like it just ends at the end of the fourth quarter, right? And that's what the yeah. end, that's where Simon Sinek was going. If like, well, he's changing the changing the paradigm around how you look and approach success. Yeah, like we we are the byproduct of a finite game, a game yeah, that exactly. that only has winners and losers, and it's all yep. about being the best. It's about, yep. and uh, he, he uses all these examples of different companies that felt you know, guilty like Microsoft and like you would compare Microsoft to say Apple. Right. And Microsoft, like Apple's game was to, I can't remember exactly to change the world. I think is like in a roundabout way what their mission was. Yep. But when you have an infinite like game to like make the world better or to create transformation yep. where there is no finish, right. there is no end. Right. It's an, a fine. What ends up happening is you just constantly like are, are improving. But right. it's, it's, but I think one of the biggest things that I, what I'm trying to pull out of your story is it sounds like you, you said you were a um, recovering, what was it? And a, 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 a recovering workaholic, recovering high achiever, uh, all those things. So you, yeah. it sounds like you're successful in the work you're doing in, in sales. I was, I was very, I was rated at the top of the were sales you organization happy? year over year over year. No. Why? What was missing? Fulfillment, peace, it's like you, you achieve a goal and then you're like, well, man, I still feel hollow inside. Right. Well, I, I, I got it. I got the goal. Now, but now I need this. Now I need the next thing. What was your because mindset? Because the next thing's what's going to make me happy. So is that, that was your mindset is that you had to constantly just go after these things. Yeah. What were the things? Give me examples of, of the things that you were uh, I remember when I got, I bought a, I bought a Rolex because I, you know, everyone, successful people had Rolexes. Yeah. You know, I need to have a Rolex, you know, so I bought one. And then after I had it, Maybe I'm like... for a couple of days, it was cool. Yeah. Then I'm like, I, I, I got rid of it. I still I know what time it, it is. I sold it. <laughs> I've, owned, I've owned two and I've yeah. sold them both. I don't yeah. even have one right now. Yeah. So, and it's like, it, but it was like, it didn't give me what I thought it would give me. It didn't, it, it just, it just didn't. Yeah. It didn't satisfy that, you know? So where was like the, the, the change, like the pivot for you? This like, it was that around the time you started, like, were you coaching people at this time when you still had these materialistic desires or? Was um, this- sure. I, sure. I was. I mean, when I started, yeah, but it's, it's changed over the last probably eight, seven, eight years for it. It's, it, it's, it's a gradual process, but it's just, you realize 
I think part of it really that's drove some of the change for me is is just watching, you know, like my grandparents pass away and having that experience, especially when I was really close to them and witnessing the reflection of how they looked and, and looked at their own lives. Having like, my grandfather was 99 wow. and he had a really great life. And um, in many cases, I, I've, I've kind of modeled off of him at this point in time in regards to how he lived it because it was so rich and full and it wasn't, and he had success, but it wasn't, he wasn't at, about, it didn't, didn't matter to him, right? He bought used cars. He could have bought new. It, it, there's a lot of things that he did because it, it wasn't really, it wasn't, so he just satisfied what really felt good for him to, to do. And, and it, it seemed like, well, when you watch people pass away, I think it's a constant reminder of like, okay, we're all mortal and every day is a gift. So how am I going to live it at the highest level? And it's going to be chasing some other shit because what ends up happening to people, some people I was hired, hired me, I'm looking at their lives and they have issues with their kids. They don't have relationships with their kids because they were never home because they're always working. And they said, well, I did it for my family. And then there, some of them had divorces because they weren't there for their spouse. Like, it's like, well, what are we doing this all for? You know, you say, well, what's your, what do you, what's important to you? Well, my, my wife and my kids. Okay. But you don't spend any time with them. You don't spend any energy with them. You know, it's like they constantly get your leftovers ongoingly and you can't ever make them a priority. It's a disconnect. Right. So in your career with 3M, when did like, when did you say like, I want to transition away from being into sales into I want to do my own entrepreneurial thing. And I love that you didn't just like close the door on 3M and just start your own business. You kind of were doing both. I did. Period. I so, did for a while. So yeah. what was that evolution for you? I mean, I guess I'm what I'm curious. Like, so before today's conversation, like mm-hmm. I do with a lot of my guests, uh, especially when they're not restaurant tour guests, because I have a pretty standard interview with my restaurant tours. Who are you? How'd you get into the industry? Yeah. How'd you get to where you are today? Who are you today? What does your business look like? What have you learned? Where are you going? Mm-hmm. Um, you're not my standard guest. You're, yeah. you're somebody who's a, a coach an expert on this idea. How would you describe yourself today? If somebody asks you what you do? Uh, it depends. Um, we do consulting, we do family business advisory work and we do coaching. So sometimes, some cases we're not therapists, but we do therapy. <laughs> so yeah. we wear several hats. Um, and that's, and it depends on, on the work that we're doing with the clients we're working with. I mean, a lot of what I like about when I, when I was just looking into like, Hey Chris, like, what do you want to talk about? Give me a list of mm-hmm. things you want to talk about. The things that stand out to me are this idea and just in reading the, 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 the bullets that you shared with me, the things you would like to discuss is that you've kind of figured out that whatever your end game is needs to be reverse engineered with who you are today. Yeah. Kind of. Right. So like, I don't often have the opportunity. Some of the, the, the things I highlighted in the list of things you offered, uh, inner selves, uh, childhood experiences and how that shapes your entrepreneurial journey. Um, trauma, uh, like childhood, um, experience. Like, yeah. Like how does that, like, what is this? Yeah. The so get into this. Yeah. So as you, as you look at if someone's, you know, drivers and what, and what, what they're pursuing. Right. And so like, well, I'm, I'm looking to, to build a restaurant. Awesome. Great. Why? Why is that important to you? And what, so what, what would someone say? Like, well, why, why is it important? What, you ask people those questions. So why, why do they get in the business? What's the common things that you hear? I mean, I don't like to speak for other people, but the reason why I love the industry, and this is probably common for a lot of people is it's the type of work. It's the act of constantly moving around, constantly being able to engage with people, whether they're mm. your guests or your team. Yep. Uh, for me, the number one thing that drives me to this industry is the people who work in this industry. Mm. Uh, they don't pretend to be anybody but themselves. And they usually work in this industry because that who they are 
isn't quote unquote professional, but mm. I don't know what, what does that word professional even mean? Yeah, that's like, a good question. You know, like it's your ability to do the job, right? But yeah. when you have to go put a, a corporate face on or like a mm. quote unquote professional face, and in my eyes and how I interpret the word professional is a certain way that lets you get along with a lot of people. Because in the corporate world, you have to get along with a lot of people. So I think what I love about the restaurant industry to come full circle is that it's like, this is who I am. Love me or hate me. Mm. You know? Um, I mean, obviously working with food and things like that, pretty great. But um, what's going through your mind as I'm sharing these things? Well, I'm just thinking of the people that I know that own restaurants and kind of, you know, there, there's a and there's a mix. You know, some people are front of the house. Some people are the back of the house. And that those are different type of drivers. Like, you know, do I want to be out in the mix of the people, you know, the, the public per se, or do I want to be behind the scenes, right? So there's, there's different drivers there. And neither right or, neither right or wrong, it com- comes down to is, you know, what, what makes you really happy internally, but additionally, what's holding you back from being your authentic self? So what I mean by that is we constantly filter, or we can, and I was this way for a long time, where I would sit together with someone like you, and I would like literally leave my body and kind of go out and go, oh, what's he thinking right now? Does he think I'm smart? Does he think, did I say something stupid? Oh, what are they going to think of that right now? Oh my God, I'm on camera. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And you know, it's like back and forth back. Oh, she smiled at me. Oh, do I have a booger on my nose? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's, it's exhausting. And it gets to a point where like, when you own yourself enough, you literally don't care. With some, I mean, I care about you as a person, but your how you take me or don't take me has no zero impact on my life or how my own self worth and myself, right? So our self worth comes in full, but we have life experiences that reflect back on us, and we start ding, taking dings out of it. So our, how much we look at our, our self esteem, you know, and the two biggest limiting beliefs are is uh, what's possible and what's possible and what, what what's possible for me what can i do right the big, that's a big limiting belief for most people is what well I, oh they could do that but i couldn't do that right that that's not me well, what what's that mean well I'm so it's not, guilty of it's this it's not it's not me because well i just i'm not that person well I, I, totally cool yeah you're not that person but it doesn't mean you can't have the same level of results from that per, as a person or different it's totally irrelevant but we get into this comparison mode and be, and when we, we don't have a full high self esteem self esteem self security uh, and love in ourselves, so like if I love, for example, I'm working with a with a, a let's say a business owner, and they're like, you know, I'm just uh, I have a hard time relating to my kids and, and how they feel, and when they're talking to me like this, I'm having a hard time relating to my kids and how they feel. Well, can you tell me more about that? Well, I just, I don't understand how they feel. Well, how do you feel right now? I don't understand your question. Yeah, because your emotions are out here. There's, and I've had people like, I had one client who's, you know, he was eight years old and his brother got killed. Wait, your client was eight? Oh, when he was eight, right? So he was this way. So his emotions are out here. Why did he do that? But then when we have trauma, that's why I bring up trauma. Yeah. When we have trauma, typically one or two things happen, but one, one common one is, is that we learn to disassociate from our emotions because we didn't want to feel the pain. If your brother died and you're like you built it's a defense it's a it's a brilliant wisdom our mind has. 
I don't want to go into this. My parent, you know, my parents became alcohol. You know, in this person's case, parents became alcoholics. They couldn't handle it. You know, I've seen situations like this where someone else had committed suicide in the family, and they're like, you know, and they're so their emotions, are like, you know what? I don't want to feel that shit. It's it's horrible. I can't. I don't even know what to do with it. And so unconsciously, they become unavailable emotionally. Now you're leading a business or you have a family business and you can't have a conversation to build empathy because how can I feel to build empathy the proper way is for me to leave my body and feel how you feel and I'll feel you feeling me. It's like, it's like this reverse, it's like this constant loop of, but I can't feel how you feel if I can't feel how I feel. Mm. If I'm not grounded, I can't go there. It's even possible. And so, like, that's that's what we're, you know, and there's a lot of us have had, you know, either big trauma or little trauma in our lives, and no one's taught us how to, how to deal with this. And then and what ends up happening is it impacts even how we lead people and or how we communicate with our family members. So when you're working with your clients, like, how do you get, like, do you have, like, these, like, literal, like, sit down, like, like, like where do you start to, like, yeah. fully understand so our, these people? Our team, you know, depending on, on the client, what we like to do is when we're working with and it depends, um, but let's just say it's a family business. I'll use an example, and I know some of your myth listeners are family businesses. We'll work with several family members, and we'll coach them one-on-one, and we just kind of get real to how to, the whole goal is initially is how do I help this person get grounded? How do I help them just be able to sit in the, you know, become more aware of what they're thinking, become more aware of how they're feeling, become more aware of of just, in essence, how they define themselves, right? I mean, I had a client I was talking to um, the other day, and I said, I have two questions I want us to, to talk about today. And he said, okay. I said, one question is, is who am I? He's like, what? I said, yeah, I'd like you to really write that question out, and I want you to contemplate that question for the next, you know, between now and we chat next. That's a pretty deep question. I said, I know. I know, but like our reality becomes a fabric of our self-definition of self. Who am I? Sometimes we say, "Well, I'm a I'm 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 a judge. I'm a lawyer. I'm I'm an electrician. I'm a restauranteur. I'm a you know whatever. I'm 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 a sous chef. That's a role we play. That's not who we are. That's what you are, not necessarily who, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, so you play that role, or I'm a father, or I'm a husband, or I'm a you know it, all the, they're great. Those are that's important. There are roles we play. It's not who we are, right? Be- right. Because it's it that then it's a it's, we get a little lost in that. And then the other question is is why am I here? I what's this thing about? What the hell? What's this thing life about? Why am I here on this planet at this point in time? Who are you? Why are you here? Yeah, I think we're gonna take a break to thank our sponsors. When I get back, I want to kind of unpackage the the breakthroughs you've had. Like, give me examples of like what. The, the right answers in your mind are when it, I mean, only one person can answer that, right? But I, I want to unpackage that a little. This podcast is made possible by Restaurant Systems Pro, and we need to let you know that every second and fourth Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, Fred Langley, will be going live where he'll cover what you need to know about running a profitable restaurant from soup to nuts. This live event will reveal the steps to manage the service and financial goals for your restaurant's productivity. Everyone who attends this live event will get a recording 
recording of the Restaurant Systems Pro four-day how to run a profitable restaurant from soup to nuts recording. This event costs $2,500 to attend live, and you'll get it for free. Head to go.restaurantsystemspro.net slash restaurant unstoppable that's go dot restaurant systems pro dot net slash restaurant unstoppable this episode is brought to you by restaurant technologies inc rti's total oil management automates your entire cooking oil process with total oil management you get dependable fresh bulk cooking oil delivery filtration plus oil usage monitoring and reporting easy oil disposal used cooking oil pickup and recycling and say goodbye to those messy dangerous restaurant rendering tanks yuck RTI's end-to-end cooking oil system helps you manage your used cooking oil disposal, storage, collection, and recycling conveniently, safely, and cleanly with no upfront cost. RTI's services are not limited to oil. They also provide insurance premiums and automated hood cleaning solutions plus hood filtration systems, making your hood cleaning process easy, automatic, and worry-free. In addition to all this, Restaurant Technologies, Inc. can help you reduce your carbon footprint, which we all know is becoming increasingly more important to the consumer restaurant technologies inc is always on so you don't have to be to learn more head to rti-inc.com and let them know restaurant unstoppable podcast sent you their way we're back um so you just asked you know when you're working with these clients you you mentioned that you ask who are you and no yeah who am i yeah then i'd be asked eric i want you to go home and i want you to sit and just Maybe it's a meditation, maybe it's a reflection, but I just want you to ask yourself, who am I? And yeah. just sit with that and see what comes up for you. And then the, the no judgment, it's just a question. Well, I mean, what I, and then why was the other part of that? Yeah, why am I here? Why am I here? Like, what's life about? And and oftentimes we'll, we'll, may, we may, some of us will we'll practice a religion, we may have spiritual context to that, and that's that's totally cool. It might, that, that, that's a place for that to come into us to explore what, what that means and looks like for us. And the spiritual, and the spiritual, which is, and, and uh, it's funny because I, I talk about spirituality, people go like, well, yeah. it's like, well, when I ask most people, do you believe in something beyond us that's involved, whether it's the universe or God or whatever your definition of it's, I had one client that said no, one. And then later on, she was an author, and later she authored a book about spirituality Five years later, wow! Because she was an atheist. Yeah, yeah, I would say I'm an agnostic. You know, and like I, there's got to be something else going on out there that we're just unaware of. For me, the verdict's out. Like I, I know that there's something else out sure. there that's influencing us. That's a greater. Like I would say, I'm a spiritual person. I, I believe in something else, but I just don't know what the actual distilled. Like what literally is that? Like who, who freaking knows? What For a me. fun, what a fun quest, right? Right. And I suggest to folks is like. If and you had asked me earlier about things to think about around breakthroughs, and this this one is a, is a this kind of gets into that realm. Do you believe that you and I have choices in what we think and believe? I think we think we do. Okay, but there's probably something. Could you decide if you wanted to get up and go to the bathroom yes. right now in the middle of the podcast? I could. Yeah. Right. So you could you can and you could think about right. that or not think about that. Right. True. True. Right. Yeah. So we have choice. Absolutely. Right? So that's a gift we all have as human beings is we have the ability to choose what we think, which can be harder because a lot of us haven't been taught how to run our minds. Our minds run us all the time. We also have the ability to choose how we feel 
we can get if we have time we'll get into that later and then we have choices and what things that we do like do we okay yeah i get that so now i can also choose to believe you could choose to believe in a religion you could you know subscribe to a religion and you could choose to believe that you could choose to do that if you wanted to true true you could choose to believe that eating um i don't know frosted flakes is good for you every day you could choose to believe that like we can go down the realm like we could right. choose to believe that we could choose to believe that smoking a couple cigarettes a day is okay for you personally we could choose to like these are all choices these are all things that we could believe my daughter asked me the other day she said She's nine. She said, are cigarettes illegal? I said, you know, and I'm like, why would you ask that? Because she knows, she knows of three people that, she, that, that had cigarettes in their lives that she knows close to her that have died from cancer. It's, 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 it was interesting. Yeah. Um, no, they weren't breaking the law, and it's legal. Wow. But smoking definitive leads to cancer, doesn't it? And I said, well, most people would probably argue true. That's true. Yeah. And... and but why isn't it illegal then? <laughs> like, that is a really good question. It's that illegal a, for nine-year-olds. That's, really, that's a really good question, though, yeah, isn't it? Right. And I'm like, because it really is. It's interesting. Why, why would we allow something to be legal that we know is lethal? Why would we do that? Why? Freedom. If it does, right? America. Yeah. Well, and, and, and a lot of, we're not the only country. Oh, that's true. Right? There's other countries that do have a lot more smoking than we do. But so, and it's, when I grew up, you could, you could walk down the sidewalk, you come across. I go now, I, it's weird if I come across someone that smoking anymore. Right. Things have changed a lot in that realm, big time. So, but these are these are beliefs. They're paradigms. They're they're things that we choose to believe. My dad just quit after fifty four years. I want to give him good, a little shout out. Good for him. Yeah, he started a, when he was thirteen years old. What was the driver for him? Oh, uh, probably a cool. Interesting. I, mean, okay. I don't know if that was still the case when he was in his fifties, but like. Yeah, but what's the driver to quit? Wasn't to look cool. Oh, I'm sure a lot of his friends are dying. Mm. You know, he's in his late sixties yeah. now. Yeah, um, so that's what we'll, we'll talk about. You know? That's one thing I want to talk about is is, is, is vision creation and, and driving change. That's, we'll, we'll talk about that yeah. today. That's really important. So this, but this is this is a, this is a big piece to that. The things that we want, the things we want to do, the the, the lives we want to live, it's all tied to beliefs. It's all tied to things that we believe. Right, all of it is. Right. You you know you you believe if someone's going to be a good guest, you believe if they were a good guest, you believe if someone's got a good you know has got a good good food. You it, like we can go on and on and on. I believe I can believe about what's building a business is hard. I can believe in building a business is easy. Say so, well no no that's hard. Well that could be your frame. You're so convicted that it's hard. I'm not saying it's convenient. I'm not saying that you don't ever have challenges. I think that's all true. You know absolutely. But we create these beliefs and then we live them out as our existence, right? So yeah. um, an example would be health and wellness. Uh, someone say, well, I believe, I'll ask people, like, what do you believe about health and well-being and, 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 and with your age? And people will say, well, I believe that as I age, I'm going to start losing some of my faculties. People will say that. Or I'm going to, I'm like, oh, how do you know that's true? Well, I look at my friends or I look, you know, I look for evidence, right? I'm like, okay, well, that's you know there there's a there's a movie that my wife and I are going to watch. She was just pointed out to me last night of the uh, based on and, and what's it's got a pretty good cast and it's based on a true story of a lady who is sixty year sixty years old and swam from like Florida to Cuba or some wild. crazy ass thing, right? Yeah. True, the true story. Yeah. And but she started training when she was sixty. So I mean, we, we can find evidence. Something's only true if it's true one hundred percent of the time. Right. If it's not true one hundred percent of the time. 
then it's based upon a belief. And so my point is like, if we're going to have beliefs, we should probably do inventory of them and get clarity if they're helping empowering us or not. Well, I have also learned this, that your truth isn't my truth and that truth is relative. Mm, yeah. Do you think that's a true statement? Sure. It, 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 but it, your truth is still, is still based on your, a, an illusion. I mean, that's, that's getting deep right I know. I, I don't know how else not to be deep, though. That's what I do. <laughs> right. It's, it's a, I think you're, you know, it's yeah. a self, I don't know. I feel like it's the illusion relative to you because it's the truth you're telling yourself. That's right. But it's you like, have authority over it is the point. So right. that, you know, I'd like the listeners to get is that we have authority over these beliefs. We can choose to start questioning them and asking ourselves, well, what's going on right here? Well, I'm having a situation. Why? Business is not good. Okay. What do you believe about that? Well, I believe people don't go out to dinner anymore. That's a belief. Is that true? 100 percent of the time, no. everywhere? No. Okay. All right. So, why do you believe that's true? And you, you get dig in. You dig in. Well, what if that weren't true? Then what would that mean, right? And that there could be, you know, someone could have data that you know our traffic is down. Like that. Could, that's that's feedback. But we often make assumptions, and this is an interesting one. So, um, we have. One of the exercises that we do sometimes with clients uh, when working with teams or leadership teams is called the marshmallow challenge. You ever heard of this thing? Yeah, it's do you, will you eat the marshmallow or not? Nope. No, that's different. That's different. That's not. That's, the that's one, one they do with the building kids. bridges. Nope. So okay. you, you basically give people it's like seven pieces of spaghetti, hard spaghetti. Yeah. Okay. Got one it. marshmallow. One marshmallow. And you got to build the structure as high. That's as possible. right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 I've done this one. Right. You've done it. Yeah. And so. What's the challenge? What 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 is what happens for most people in that exercise? They, everyone, people listening out there, you got you got one one marshmallow, you've got a piece like one yard of, of masking tape that you can do what you want with it. You have basically like I don't know seven minutes or twelve minutes, whatever it is, on the clock. You're racing. You're on teams. You you're racing other people, too, right? Yeah, hard spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. That's that that that's that's the structure, right? You yeah. build a structure of spaghetti and the tape, and the goal is to build a structure. That the marshmallow sits on the top of the structure, and the person who's got the highest structure in the room, freestanding, no one's touching, wins. Now the structure can't be can't be hung from the ceiling or anything like that. It's got to be on the table, freestanding. So you get people in the room, and they go after this, and they're all have you know they're all going at it. They're watching one another if they're all in the same room and trying to compare and like oh, what do they do, what do they do, okay, and. Nine from my experience, nine out of ten times, nobody tests the weight of the marshmallow. I think the marshmallow is light; it's a marshmallow. Yeah. So they build this freaking thing, and they got like thirty seconds left. They put the marshmallow on top, and the thing starts falling over. Yeah. And they don't know what to do, <laughs> and they also have string too. They also, but they don't know what to do because, like, holy shit, there's enough time to rebuild this thing. But if at the beginning, I tested how that marshmallow responded with this one or two strands of spaghetti. And what took to hold it up. But everyone wait, don't even put the marshmallow on the damn thing until they're almost done. Yeah. And that is an assumption built on a belief. The belief that the marshmallow is light. And we constantly, and I use this with business, family businesses a lot, or privately held companies, or what people we work with, is because I will say, well, where are, there, where are the other marshmallows in your business? Where are, the, where are we drawing? Where are we creating assumptions about what's, what you know, data we have so much data. I love data now, even like in restaurants, it's so cool because, like, you know, you have 
you got reservation systems, right? You got, you know, you can you can look at turns on a table. Right. All this all this great stuff stuff that 20 years ago restaurants didn't have. But what's what it, what it, what a, what meaning am I assigning to this data? And then how am I driving decisions around that? Well, I mean, I think this is such a relative conversation because there's so many assumptions made about the restaurant industry. And I yeah. think for the longest time, what people in the restaurant industry did, they just asked themselves what was the person before, like what what do they do like it's just we just pay it forward like mm. not pay it forward but like how do i explain this you just look at what the people were doing before us and you you take all those lessons and you copy it and you start your own thing and it's like this certain like the certain business model that's been followed for a hundred years where like, this is how you run a restaurant and we don't challenge that mm. way of running a restaurant to look at it from different perspectives, to use modern technology, to stop thinking about the businesses, just being selling goods and commodities or we're not just selling food. We're, se- mm. we're, we're creating experiences. We have yeah. so much more value than just the, the end of the day, just selling food. We're so much more than that. And that we just get stuck in that old way of thinking, you know, and um, but to, to your point, like really just challenging, like what our beliefs are about what's true. Like, you know, if yeah. you if you can blow the roof off of what's possible, then that's, you know, and like when you really create something that's reverse engineered as far as like, what do I want? What's important to me? The whole reason why I want to get into this is this idea of I say behind every great restaurant is a great person. And in order for you to to be to meet your fullest potential i think you really need to to your point like what are my values yeah. who am i that's right why am i th- like why yeah, do i want those right. things yeah. so and what do i believe about myself what do i believe about myself I, i'd ask that owner what do i believe about myself as the owner of this restaurant well what i'm hoping to get out of today's conversation is if, uh, if we've never really taken the time to reverse engineer who we are and what why we do what we do in like you know, how do, how do we get to this point of self-awareness? Yeah. How do we, how do like, well, it starts with asking questions. Okay. Right. That's, that's the awareness starts coming from as the questions that we ask. Cause when we're, the mind is hooked by a question and it drives direction for us, right? It drives direction for us. So it's, you know, like, okay, well, what do I want? You know, if someone's sitting here, I'd say, you know, a restaurant here, what, what do you want? Well, I, I want, you know, what and, and why? Why is that important to you? And so you're right. Mission, vision, core values. I'm sure you've talked to people on the podcast about like that's that's a semblance of a starting point, right? Why do I exist? Mission, why am I here? That's mm-hmm. the that's the, goes back to um, the, the conversation we had about, about the endless the endless game, right? That's that's the mission. The mission is endless. It's it's why do I exist? What if I if I took this restaurant out of the community? What would be missed here? Oh man, do you remember loaf and ladle? Huh, right? There's one that I can think right. of right here in Exeter, right? Like anyone that's been here for 20 years knows about loaf and ladle. Right? Because that, it that, was that anadama, man. I miss it. Right. The anadama <laughs> was the bomb was the bomb, right? Yeah, it was so as good. thick and they th- cut the bread so damn thick. I know. And when I have family come here from the Midwest, they're like, Can we go to loaf and ladle? Right? Because they didn't there's no loaf and ladle like that. In, in the Midwest, well, we, we especially in, especially in communities where there are suburbs, psh, you know, I'm not putting Panera bread down, but it's just it's not the same, right? And and it was so it's like, but that that has that has never been replaced in this community. There still to this day is not a really proper. The green bean got close, but they didn't. They they're, they 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 leased the building out to someone right. else. So there's no one there's no one left in this community that provides. That same experience, and so it's missed. So that mission is is missed here in the fabric. Of so, what this would town. you have said their mission was? That's a great question. Um, 
they they provided an experience where you you almost got like it's like it was almost like going to a relative's kitchen where you got you know you, you picked out the soup you didn't know what this you had a board you didn't know what the soup of the day was going to be and there was a bunch of them there could be yeah. like five or seven right yeah. you know which ones are going to be there's maybe one or two mainstays that had a little salad bar it was kind of a fast casual setup I it was you'd walk in and they would you tell them what you want they would take you along this journey that's right this, this u-shaped journey that's right um, and you pick your pick your soup and then you get one or two pieces of bread depending yeah. if you get a cup or a bowl right and then you do the combo soup and sandwich. That's right. Yeah. yeah, you get a half sandwich, and it was, uh, it was so good. The bread was made home from baked daily, and then you had these these homemade like from scratch kind of soups, and then you had like this this room, the other this other room you carry you carry your tray in, and these long tables like this community, and people would come in with families or team sports team whatever it was, mm-hmm. and they would just gather there, and then Andy he'd have uh, music in you know at nights and time you know stuff like that, and then. And so it was. It was a really just fabric of the community space that was almost like an expen- extended living, someone's living room that had been extended, right. where you can go and hang out. And that's kind of the feeling and vibe I always got from that place. Right. I mean, I, I worked with all, uh, not Aiden, it was Aiden Aldrin, Alder, uh, the the Eulery brother. I know it was the Eulery's that owned that place, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in my mind, it's like I remember talking. I, I worked with one of them. I can't remember if it was Aiden or Alden. Um, I think it was Aiden. But I mean, I know why that restaurant's not around anymore. I knew it had issues with like a lot of what other restaurants have issues with is like the the systems, the processes, the accounting, the yeah. back end stuff. It's well, like they they can create that experience, and they love the food, and they love and they leverage the yeah. restaurant location to open one in Portsmouth. Yeah, and Portsmouth was not the same market. No, totally. And then that leverage that they created off this restaurant, the Portsmouth location, really, from what I understand, really pulled that pulled that down is that what happened yeah it was because they, they just they, they couldn't make the numbers work yeah in, in that community so what was your original thought bringing the loaf and ladle in um the mission yeah if you if if you have a strong enough mission and you come out of a community then like that's a and i wouldn't suggest you do that but that's a test the that mission, your mission solid you. right yeah. like and it's missed and that's the way to look at your business is like if i did not if i wasn't here in this community what would this community miss? That's a, an interesting way to kind of ask. A, it's a different question to ask about your, mi- your mission of why you're here. What, what, what are you providing your marketplace long term that lives beyond you, so to speak, if it continues through time, right? And if you disappeared, well, you're, you're like, holy shit, man. It disapp- now what am I going to do? Like if Laney and Lou went out of town, I'd be like, oh, man. Well, that's a, that's a great example right there. That's a, a company I really know because I worked there for a little bit. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, Jennifer DeRosers. Um, and like her mission is to live vibrantly and to teach other people how mm-hmm. to live vibrantly. Right. So that is a mission that is not finite. That is, that's relative. What does mm-hmm. vibrantly mean five years from now? Like what new information are we going to have that will help people live more vibra- vibrantly? It's like this open-ended mission statement of this is the change I want to see in the world. Yep. For Jen DeRozier, she wanted to see options for people to make the best choice. There weren't yep. options to, to make good choices. That's right. So she wanted to empower her community to make good choices around well-being and food and to yep. foster community around that. So like, right. that's a perfect example of an of a infinite game. There is no end. Right. So my mission is to inspire, empower, and change the world. 20 years from now, what is inspiring and what is empowering going to look like? Right. That's, an end, that's a never-ending game. Right. Because the world we live in is constantly changing, that we can always get better. 
you know mm. so like i think back to the some of the points that you're giving me like explore the idea of entrepreneurship reflecting our inner selves so what is it like what is the change you want to see what is right. and so a, that's, that's 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 really the key is like okay so i i have this this goal of of growing my my business maybe i want to have multiple locations someday whatever that might be you know jen wanted to have multiple locations now she's got two, two? lady yeah. loose plus she's got the the ginger fox the third location what is the ginger fox oh it's wait a, that's it's the bakery. artisan bakery yeah that's like like a too european far style bakery that's right. right i still gotta check that out yeah it's cool and she in it's different but it's got her thumbprint on it in relationship to she's really good at building systems really good at building consistency right like she's in quality yeah. like you never ever ever wonder if you're not going to get something the same, right? And it's not, and it's not fast food. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's right. more consistent than fast food, you know, the regular fast food. So I get get clarity in what what is it that I want. But even for Jen, Jen would say this, you know, because I I know her, and she and I know she went to um, before she opened Laney and Lou, she went to a Robin's event. I think she did Date for Destiny. She might have done all the major events. But Robbins is really good at getting people to, 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 to question, you know, like, what do I want? But then who am I? Right. And, and same thing, like, because you have to become and this is where it gets interesting. You literally become the person who creates the results that you want. Like that's that's the, the being you become you be you are you become that person like and you, you, you otherwise you, it's not sustainable. You won't you, like it's not going to happen and you won't you won't typically break through anyway until you become that person. So and that that's where it gets really really interesting. Like even when when we decided to set the next threshold for our company, uh, the Center for Conscious Living and Fulfillment, we when we started expanding our team, I didn't wanted to make it just about me. You know, it was before it was just about me, and it's like well, it's not about me anymore. So I had to think differently. Okay, well, when some family comes and starts wants to work with us, they may not work with me. They might work with someone else on the team. They work right. with me just a little bit. And I think this is something that restaurant owners really get in trouble with because they end up building a whole business that hinges on them. Mm. And the majority, a lot of restaurant, the, the the ones that fail when they they try to move themselves, like they realize that they like if they're not there, the business yeah. doesn't run. Right. It, like literally, everything hinges and right. goes. And I'd argue that. it's not really a business, right? I right. know, and and my, a lot of what I have is not a business either. Because if I unplug myself, I st- I would still would still have revenue. But it's not wouldn't be the same because I I still involved with you know, but we're in evolution and as we we continue to grow it's like that eighty twenty where's the twenty percent I'm going to focus on the eighty percent I'm going to let go and am I going to outsource it or am I going to have someone else on the team or am I going to backfill myself and it's the same when we get to succession it's the same that one of the ideas is philosophy is the same I got to become insignificant to the business in relationship to operations if you're tied to operate a true CEO at some point should not be involved in operations. They should be working on vision, strategy, and people. That's it. That's where they're, that's what that that job should sit in a in a in a company. Yeah. Um. But I mean, one of the things I'm curious about in terms of how do we get to this point? So, like, just looking at the notes that you gave me, um, it it it, it sounds like it's a lot of just inner looking, like inner reverse engineering what truly matters to me and you, you have things like your childhood experiences and how those shape your entrepreneurial journey. Like, like in looking back at the trauma and how's trauma shaping yeah. well, your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. So I went, I went for someone you know, looking to create goals. Don't, you know, understand that our, 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 in, our paradigms about ourselves impact how we perform and what we do. You with me? What we think and believe about ourselves right. drive us. And so it's an ongoing process. If no one gets anything else out of this episode but this idea, 
that in order for my business to get better, I have to get better. In order for my business to grow, I need to grow. That's the, that's, that's the bottom line. So, okay, well, how do I do that? First, understand that I'm here as a student to work on me. I can be a better computer. A better, better, better computer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can be a, a better leader. I can be a better husband or a wife. I can be a better um, restauranteur. I can be uh, whatever that might be in my head. Like, how other ways I identify those roles I play, I can be better at those. I don't, I don't, I don't have to go like, well, that's just who I am. I'm just a hothead. I've always been a hothead. Okay, you can always be passionate, but maybe you know you fly off the handle and you, you speak mean to people. Maybe that's perhaps that can be changed. Is that possible? You know, you, you weren't born that way. You might have grown into that person. So understanding that this can be malleable, and it starts with setting some goals on what it is that you want to accomplish, and then getting and then the next. So I set a vision of what I want to accomplish, and I check in my beliefs around that. I want I want I want a second location. Okay, what do you believe about a second location? Well, I believe it's going to be impossible. Okay, well, that's going to then it probably then probably right. will be right. Like <laughs> yeah. so, like let's okay, let's let's get clarity in that. Well, what, what uh, I don't believe I don't think there's going to be a location in this market. Oh, okay, hmm, that's interesting. So I was uh, we had a we had a, we gave a talk yesterday uh, in Portsmouth, and there was an entrepreneur there, and he's got a, a small business, and he was talking about how he can't find people in a certain realm to do a certain amount of work, and that there's no one here. And there's not going to be any, you know, it's like, there's no one here. I'm like, gonna, well, you're if you looking. believe that, you're never going to find <laughs> right, anybody. Right. That's never been my experience. We've got an amazing team. And I always believe that they're here. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I never, I never, I, I never in my mind, I, I never in my mind thought that someone wasn't going to be there. Jen Rogers is another perfect example of somebody who, like, in a time when nobody could find anybody yeah. to work, she had a stack of resumes. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? And, and she's got great retention yeah. for a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Because she, she answers the questions, do you care about me? Can I trust you? Can you help me get to where I want to go? Like she, she, she's dialed in on those three scenarios. For, for business leaders, those are three questions that all of our employees that we lead have. Can I trust you? Do you care about me? Can you help me get to where I want to go? She's also built an entire brand around the idea of growth. Uh, for her, it's you know, it's this idea of like living more vibrantly, and like, what does that mean for you? Yeah, like right, and that that means the way you, the, what you're doing, the food you're putting into your body. So she created this kind of cult following locally of people who are trying to be a better version of themselves. And when you're mm. putting that energy into right. the world, you're going to attract onto yourself those types of people who, and like it's like you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right above yep. you know security and, and do you love me? Am I seen? Is personal development yeah and then you hear like people like the hotelier chip Connolly talking about peak and focusing not on the most basic things but jump to self-actualization and help people find their purpose in life yeah, that's and right. help them grow yeah and when you go to that area when you create a brand that's all about growth yep and and like evolution and, and changing you're gonna attract those people onto you yeah so that's um, why who am i why am i here why am i here i'm here to yeah. do to, to, to fulfill this this vision like what's What's your calling? Like that's what we're asking people: is what's their inner calling? And you, you said, hey, "I'm here to inspire people," right? That's, I would hope that's an inspirational message. Like, what what is your calling? Why are you here? And by the way, inspiration means in spirit. If you break it down, which is kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. Go back to the other conversation, the other thing we said. Yeah. Well, nice. You chose the word inspiration. I didn't. So I'm curious. Back to this idea of like the. I mean, if if we're 
it's weird because like how can you diversify if every business out there is just exists to make other people better? Mm-hmm. And I think that <laughs> like we're just gonna have a bunch of like personal growth, self help organizations. Well, wouldn't we want to there? Like I, I would I would hope anyone who's got a or you know if you're looking at bringing people onto your team, wouldn't you want to? And actually, this has been uh, Gallup has, has published, McKenzie's published. There's a lot of folks have published numbers around this that people will your retention goes up when you invest in your people oh, and when you help them get better. And that it's like you know, when you try to push people out of your organization by empowering them and giving them skills and, and disciplines and habits, they end up not wanting to go anywhere because yeah. you're, you're feeding those those human yeah. needs. They don't have to go anywhere. Well, and if, if you got clear on what they wanted. Going back right. to that one of those questions I asked, like, what are the, what is your, what do your employees want? What are they, wh- where are they trying to go? What, what, what's important to them? And some people are like, well, I just, I just want a paycheck to pay my bills. That's fine, but what? So, so what? So what? So I can um, provide for my family. So what? Like, let's let's get into that because it's it's important. Yeah. yeah because we want, we, don't we want to help them do that? I mean, the compound on what you're you're sharing that the, the biggest lesson for me in this podcast has been behind every great restaurant is a great person. And to your point again, you can't lift up other people. You like you're constantly working on yourself. You're constantly getting yes. better. And what ends up happening as you get better, you pull people up with you. And if you're pulling your most your closest people, your employees, like you spend probably more time with your employees than you do with your family. Yep. If you pull yourself up, you pull them up. They pull up, you know, you pull your managers up, your managers pull up, your frontline employees, your frontline employees pull up your community. And like this is the the, the transformative power of the restaurant industry because there's so the second largest industry in the world. And we have the ability to pull up so many people. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, and that's kind of my vision with Restaurant Stoppable is how do I how do I learn and pay for these informations and inspire I, I giving a, a view into the lives of these successful people, understanding how they think, what they do in their businesses, so I can give the rest of the industry an aiming point right. so they can get pulled up and bring up their teams with them. And I think, I don't know, I think it's an exciting time right now because never before has there been so much lubrication on communication. The yeah. information just flows. Yeah, I mean, the, the information is accessible, right? And and because of, you do you, things like travel and, and interview folks that are, what many of them are thought leaders in the industry, it gives access to people in relationship to what are strategies that I can employ around systems or hiring or staffing or marketing, right? Like these are, you, you talk about all these, these were all pieces and parts. The, you know, the cool thing is other people have blazed trails and you can learn, doesn't, you don't have to be them, but we can learn, you know, success leaves clues. We can learn from other people's, right? Failures and successes. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest things I'll, I'll I'll suggest to folks is getting a mentor or somebody that, you know, who's, who's living the life that you want to live or who's got wisdom in regards to something that you want to unlock and learning from them and their experience. And you provide that through the podcast also, but imagine having someone that you could, you could reach out to, or you can, you know, you can, you can, you can chat with or a peer group. I mean, that's Restaurant Unstoppable Network right there. We're, yep. we're, we're relaunching it right now, but I 100% agree. It's um, never before has it been so easy to to learn and to connect yourself with the people that can pull you up and get to that place faster. Um, in terms of, you know, this idea of reverse engineering your perfect life by getting clarity on who you are, uh, your childhood, your personal traumas. Uh, you also mentioned you want to talk about social security um, and the life of an entrepreneur. What does that I mean? We haven't unpacked it. So, 
I would, when it's a security, not social security, security, uh, security, uh, self-esteem and love are the three primary human needs that we have. But let's go, let's talk about this, this of goal, the goal setting piece. And so we talk about vision and what you want. The second piece is why do you want it? Okay. Like your dad, to, you know, I said, why did you want to quit? Well, that, that is a, what we call the lever. Oh, I want to. I want to have twenty restaurants. Why? Well, because I want twenty. You're not going to have twenty, right? You, you, it's got to be. It's got to be something that you really, truly desire, and and want. like it's it's, it's got to be a driver for you. So the leverage is really important. It's something that we stoke. Oh, I want to get in better shape. Why? Because my doctor tells me. As opposed to, I want to get in better shape because um, I want to be here for my grandkids. Mm. Like that's. Those are those are different drivers, right? right. There's there, there's more there's more depth to one. So what do I want? What's my what's my lever? What's my leverage and why? The third piece is is um from from there is what do I believe about that? What do I believe about the objective? What do I believe about what's possible? What do I believe about me myself within the context of that? It's a deep dive into beliefs around it because the beliefs are, are what typically hold us in the frame that we're in right now. Well, I believe it's going to be hard. I don't believe there's not enough people here. I believe people are never going to spend twenty nine ninety nine for a, a, a chicken sandwich. I mean, whatever, whatever. We can go on and on, right? Well, why do you say that? Well, because blah 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 blah. Oh, okay. Um, you sure? You know, um, you know. So like, there, there's there's so there's there's the beliefs that we have, and then and then so then and then the and the fourth piece is is tied to strategy. What am I going to do? What, what's, and sometimes we go, well, I don't know exactly how to get there. Well, then it's like, what's the next step? What's the next one or two things or three things that you can do to assure, you know, like, well, I'm having a retention problem and I want to, be, and I want to have stronger retention. Great. Well, what, what's one thing you can do? I can start spending time one-on-one with my, if I say I had a staff of 10, with my staff of 10. Trying to find out where they want to go. Right. And Learn, how I can help Maybe them having a there. coffee with them and getting to know them a little bit yeah. as a person. Instead of as an employee, mm. right? Like that, that's something you could do. Finding out their drives, right. you know, their, their vision for themselves. Well, how right. can I help you get right. there? And if you want to build trust, give it. Mm. If you want to build trust, give it. Don't just say, well, it takes time. Well, give it. Give trust. Yeah. Give trust. Be, be open. Be, be transparent. Be honest. Be sincere. Yeah, Nick Cirillo from A Slice of the Pie talks about this this, this trust and track business model opposed to the other side of that would be command and control mm. where you're telling people what to do when you're controlling the situation whereas if you just give them the tools, the resources, the systems, the processes, yep. you trust them in executing it and then you track their progress with the data on the back end. Yeah. Um, it's super powerful. It is. Um, man, um there's a part of me that wants to push back a little bit. Not that I don't agree with everything you're saying, but I do think that there's a certain level of self-awareness where there are truths that we tell about ourselves. Being self-aware, being aware of your strengths and your weaknesses. That's, that's accurate. And and I feel like sometimes people who echo what you're sharing with us today are like, whatever you tell yourself is true, don't be self-limiting. Well, But there's also some level of truth yeah, of, no, no, no. of being yeah, I, self-aware I, I of your weaknesses. Right, so I believe that what if we have a desire, a goal, a dream, an aspiration inside of us, then there's totally a possibility for that for you. That I that I believe 100. percent I also believe, and when we work with people, we'll do. We might do Strengths Finders 2.0. Uh, we have another system called Print. We might do a Colby. Uh, might do Myers Briggs, Enneagram. These I are love all, these things. Yeah, these are yeah. all systems that we can take 
to learn a little more about ourselves. And like, you're right. We all have different gifts, right? Like we all like, some people are better at things than others. That's what makes a teamwork, right? Not everyone's an amazing quarterback. Some people are a better receiver. Like it is what it is, right? Like it's, right. So, but getting clarity in that is very helpful. But finding that balance between reality and convincing yourself that whatever you tell yourself is also true. I think there is a balance of being really self-aware and critical on yourself. So you're not doing the work that you're not meant to do, right? So that's you, that, well, that, that's, that's, that's accurate. But so I, you can say, I say, well, I want to build three more restaurants. It doesn't mean that you're going to have to do everything, right? Like mm-hmm. you can you can backfill yourself in a relationship too. That's that's part of the reason that we look at these strengths so we know what we need. I, I My philosophy is maximize your strengths, damage control your weaknesses, and build scaffolding around your weaknesses, right? I'm, for whatever reason, I'm not amazing at managing my own calendar. Part, sometimes Thank I have you, a hard Aaron. time saying no. Yeah, well, it's actually Tara. <laughs> Tara, Tara does it. Yeah, yeah. So part of the challenge with me managing my own calendar is I have a hard time saying no. This client wants to talk to me. It's on a Friday. I don't do client delivery on a Friday. Uh, uh, okay, well, I can talk to you at 1 because I'm free at 1. <laughs> but Tara's going to say, no, he's not free at 1 o'clock Yeah, because he's going to follow the rule. Right. Right? But I have a hard time saying no sometimes. So I built in scaffolding around myself. So I don't have to. I don't have to be put in that position. Right. Let her handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think there's something really powerful about being really self-aware, owning. Like maybe you have trauma around your insecurities, you know, and in in a way of in like because you're afraid of these insecurities or in, or just insecure, and you don't want those things to surface. You're afraid to admit that you're not good at those mm. things, so you try to do it and. When yeah. you, if you you're just better have, off asking for help. Exactly. Yeah, like, no, I I'm agree. not good at that. I agree. It's like, you know, I, then that, that's an authentic, transparent conversation that's going to, that's going to lead that way. That's good at building trust. Yeah. I'm not, you know what? Eh, I'm not particularly good. Like I know I, when we go to Michigan and we have a second home there and we drive out for two, three weeks every summer, I'm not allowed to, nor do I try to load the car. Because I, I seeing how things are going to fit in the car when you have so many pieces and knowing how they're going to fit in, I'm just not good at that. I, I just my mind doesn't work that very well that way. Yeah. And my wife can go, okay, okay, and she could just she could see it like a puzzle, like Tetris. That's not my jam, man. Yeah. And that's that's and and it's like, well, gee, Chris, you're putting yourself down. I'm not putting myself down. It's just not a strength. I, I love myself at a hundred percent. It's nothing to do with it. Yeah. You're, it's not my, it's not, I, my self-esteem is totally good. I'm okay. I'm just not my strength. And that's all right. Right, right. Is there anything else we haven't discussed in terms of the personal self-awareness, vision, values, uh, just really the self-exploration in terms of reverse engineering yourself? To I, I think I mean, for what we want to cover on that topic, we're probably pretty good today in, yeah. in that regard yeah, yes. yeah i want to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors and when we come back um something i never talk about on the show which surprisingly because there's so many i feel like so many restaurant owners pass it's the dream it's the, part of their vision is to have something to pass on to their their kids right mm-hmm. but we don't talk a lot about what that succession looks like and how to set that up for success so when we come back we're going to dive into that This episode made possible by Owner.com. Owner.com is the quickest and easiest way for your customers to order directly from you without the expensive 30% commission fees. 
With Owner.com, you'll save thousands every month when customers order through your website and branded app instead of third-party delivery apps and reward your customers with a built-in loyalty program that turns them into regulars who order again and again. Owner.com also helps you rank higher on Google with world-class search engine optimization built specifically for restaurants with an AI-powered website. We cannot forget lists. Build a huge list of people who live near your restaurant fast and market to that list on autopilot with text and emails sent at the perfect time to help you grow sales and stay top of mind. Owner.com gives you everything you need to grow and market your restaurant online with no contracts or hidden fees. Visit owner.com slash unstoppable right now to book your free demo and see why thousands of restaurant owners trust owner.com to power their restaurants online. Picture this. It's the end of the month and you're working your way through a shoebox full of invoices and manually entering costs into a janky spreadsheet that is being held together by bubblegum and prayers. And after hours of eye-stabbing tedium, you realize that your numbers don't even match. Oh my God. We've all been there. But it doesn't have to be this hard. Margin Edge can free you from spreadsheet hell. That's because Margin Edge is a complete restaurant management software that automates invoice processing and shows you your food costs and labor in real time. Just snap a picture of your invoice and Margin Edge takes it from there. Margin Edge will process your invoices automatically with line item detail and combine that information with sales from your POS to give you real time reporting, including a daily P up-to-date plate costs, and updated inventory count sheets. Stop spending hours to get numbers you're not 100% confident in when you could spend minutes and have accurate, real-time food and labor costs. Visit MarginEdge.com unstoppable to learn more and to get a free monthly restaurant sales report packed with exclusive industry trends, data, and insight. We're back in... Um this is something I've been looking forward to in today's conversation is just this advice around secession. Yeah. Where do people go wrong if if we maybe we are about to receive a business from family mm. and we want to make sure our, our folks are doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> like what advice do you yeah. have around secession? Oh man. How do you even get drawn into it's a really deep, secession? It's a really, uh the way I got drawn into succession when I started working family businesses about uh, whatever, twelve years ago. Um, a client of mine was working with a family business and they were stuck trying to figure out how to navigate um, estate planning and things around just changes and, and who was going to be doing what, who was going to own what, and who's going to make decisions around what. Yeah, that's going to be a hard conversation with family because I feel like cer- certain people probably feel entitled to stuff. Yep. Or- oh, yeah. And then the sibling rivalry kicks in and the parents don't want to upset the apple cart because they want to celebrate Thanksgiving together. Yeah. It goes on and on and on. And so, want everything to be so yeah, so I, I, I went in and I helped work uh, with his family and it was uh, really helped uh, everyone involved, including the family, obviously. And then it led to other referrals and more work. And I just kind of like, oh, I should probably study this as a career also. So I, I got uh, studied family business advising and got certified as through that also. And, and so a big piece of what we do today when people come to us is there somewhere, it depends, could be three years, five years, um, sometimes 10, but usually it's three to five years out that they're looking to do a transition and not sure how to do that. Should I sell my business? Should I not sell my business? Should I leave it for my kids? And we tell people, the day you start a business is the day you should start thinking about your succession, which is kind of weird, but it's true. 
And, you know, and it depends. You know, one, one thing I'd recommend to folks when you're starting out new is, you know, getting life insurance and getting disability insurance because something happens to you in the business and that's your livelihood. You want to think about your family. You get dis, you get you have disability. It costs a lot of money, but having disability, think about it. like if I let's say seventy percent of my income comes from my work, and then let's say something happens and I can't work. What are you gonna do? I got two. We got two homes. We got like we can go on and on and on. I still have bills to pay. Yeah. Who's who's gonna earn the money? You're gonna step in. You know, like someone, a spouse gonna step in. Sometimes me, a spouse can, but in some cases they can't because they don't do what you do. Right. So then, what are you gonna do? That's why disability insurance is really nice to have because something does happen. At least you have to, you have insurance to cover you. So that that's I'm not here as an insurance salesperson, but I think it's a smart to do. But in terms of life insurance or disability insurance, is there like a specific type that we're looking for? Good question. No, just get. You know, you can reach out to us at our office, and we can plug you into uh, an advisor that won't lead you down the wrong path. That's because it's, it's unique to your circumstance. So, but let so as you're thinking about succession, and it's you don't want to. You know, I I don't recommend folks program their kids to to believe that they have to take over the. In some cultures, this happens because right. I work with people all over the world, and they 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 like this is what you're going to do. You will work in the family business. This is your destiny. But I don't want to work in the family. Nope, this is your destiny. This is what you're going to do. Right. But I hate it too bad. Your life will be miserable. You know, like it's just... Some people aren't yeah, this lucky to yeah. have the family business right? passed down to them. So, but regardless, it's, it's, it's gotta, you, you've got to have a sense of love for it. You shouldn't do something. I don't believe you should ever go and pursue a career or pursue what, what we'll call it a career. A career owning a business for the money, number one without loving what you are trying to do. Because at some point, you're going to have difficulty. At some point, you're going to have a terror barrier or a challenge or some shit to work through, and it's going to happen more than once. And you better love what you're doing enough to get through those hard times. Yeah, it's that's, that that's the bottom line. that helps you show up. You yeah. Know? Yeah, so like you get that drive, like that mission, that thing that's beyond me, to want to, to it doesn't matter. I'm I'm on mission. I'm on purpose. I'm going to keep doing this no matter how hard it is. So that's that's important. Now the succession piece is like okay. Then how do I keep this going beyond myself? Now I've I've worked in this regards to sometimes it's we maybe it's not a family member. It could be one of our key employees that's been with us for 15, 20 years. That happens. Yeah. And how do I help that person carry the name on? Right. So it's it's getting the the mission stays the same. The vision can change to a degree. Core values typically are baked in, but there's always there's always evolved. There's an evolutionary process of emerging core values, especially when we're working in next generations. Next generation, I mean, you know what? I really care. I let's say someone owns a restaurant and it's a carryout place, and someone might say, you know, I really care about the environment. I, I don't. I don't want this this stuff that we we're this using styrofoam anymore. Uh, and our shop, you know, next gen could be like, you know, I, I, we're gonna we're gonna get something that 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 the compost, yeah. right? So like that's that's an emerging core value that sometimes things can get baked into a, a business, which is there's nothing wrong with that. This well, brings it, into it. I think it's really important to the to, to point that out because I think a lot of people get so caught up in like whatever I put on paper today in terms of what my vision is, what my mission is, mm. what my core values is. Once that's on paper, that's who yeah. I am. 
Yeah. And they're like, yeah. I don't want to be put in that box. You know, so and, I think I, I believe a lot of this can be evolutionary. And it should be dynamic. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it, all people are constantly evolving and growing. That's right. And your values and your visions right. and your mission is dynamic. It, it can, can, it it can, can change. change with you. It yeah. can change. The mission probably probably won't change as much but it still could it's there yeah. still could there still could be a deep dive or uh, uh you know a, a an arm of something that grows i i, I you know i definitely be open to that possibility for anybody but how do i want to keep this continuing and then and then the question is like well how do i pull that off well if you're you, you have to have a successor if you're going to do succession that means there's someone has to be the chosen one or chosen people. The interesting thing is when, when family business realm, you don't have to work in the business to keep the business. And sometimes people think they get little, they get in their head about that. Well, wait a minute. Well, I don't have, none of my kids want to run the restaurant. Okay. So? Yeah. So, well, th- so does that mean you have to sell it? So in my mind, what that is, if, if you were a business, the business hinged on you over the next three years, your goal is to recreate yourself. That's right in systems, in process, right. in culture. And like, what is it that makes this space special? Like document that and, and manifest it through other people. Yeah. And may, in some cases, maybe it's, you need to grow the business to afford someone else to run it without you so that you can keep it. Right. So like there are, you and I both know places that you never see the person who owns it. So right? it, it, they're never there. Right. So is is succession? I'm, I always I feel like I'm saying this wrong. Succession. Succession. Yeah. Is it about um, really? It, it kind of sounds like any other business where, like, if you're trying to scale it, there's certain things yes. you have to do so it's not dependent on you. So right. it, is it make yourself insignificant to the business is the process. Letting go is the mental emotional side. Making yourself insignificant is the physical side. I mean, it's it's really that simple. It's more complicated than that, but it is that simple. It's what do you do? Track everything you do. Okay, great. You got a list? Awesome. Someone else needs to do that. So right? it sounds like the process for succession isn't much different from the process of just scaling something beyond you. You're right. Correct. And then also building proper governance in relationship to if I'm the still partial owner or someone else, just, you know, if my family's going to be partial owner, it, governance is around who owns what. And how are the, sec- the second piece, which is the more complicated, how are decisions made? How do we decide what we do, who we hire, who we let go, how we spend the money, what we do with the money? Those, those are that's 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 around you know and, and around you know voting chairs. So what were those elements? Who who does what? Who are yeah. who owns what? And what was the other? Who thing? who owns what? Yeah, which is like shareholder agreement, right? Like say, well, you and I own the restaurant fifty fifty. My family and your family. Maybe it's a two-family restaurant, whatever, right? Or maybe it's a husband and wife own it, and then they have three kids, and then they're gonna they want to give each kid thirty per three percent. That's right. not a problem. Okay, that's pretty easy. But how are you gonna manage decisions? We're gonna give them all equal share, equal equal voting rights. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. I've I've got a family I'm working with right now, and it's 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 uh, called two brothers, and a mom a mom and dad, and the two brothers. Each have voting shares at like something like forty nine percent, and dad, mom got two percent, so they can be the tiebreaker. Okay, you with me? Yeah. But when mom and dad are out of the picture, now what do you do? That's two percent that you're gonna find. Right. Well, you give them to each person, then they're at fifty fifty, and now what do you do? You're still in trouble. You want to do something? I don't want to do it. Now what? I don't know. That's why. Yeah. I'm doing <laughs> and what if what if what if I'm running the business 
and doing most of the work, and you're just showing up collecting paychecks. Should we still should we still be fifty fifty in decision well, I mean, making? This is the, like like any partnership, you know, like a, so you get out and you put your name down the risk to you you put your name to next to the responsibilities that you're responsible. Yeah, for. but it doesn't work that way all the time. But if you have it written down, at least you're saying, yeah, okay, true. You, I agree, I'm responsible yeah, for these things. Yeah, yeah. So do you work KPIs into that? Say if you, you fall could. below you these could. standards? You could, you could. I mean, I see this in family businesses where you got mom and dad, you got uh, four kids. I've seen, this, I've seen this probably six times in the last 12 months. Mom and dad, let's say four kids, one of the four doesn't, doesn't carry their weight. And, they and, and then mom and dad constantly protect the fourth, the youngest, maybe it could be whoever. And then there's it's like they're not carrying their weight, they're not doing whatever, they're making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year doing shit, blah blah blah. If that was our employee, we would have fired him a long time ago. Well, we can't let him go. It's your brother. So so <laughs> you see what, what I'm saying? What, yeah. So what, this shit's like, real, man. So what do we do? How do you protect yourself yeah, from having so a shitty? The, your 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 answer is <laughs> your 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 answer is right though. What are your roles and responsibilities? What is your role? And I have to put I have to take the hat, the mom and dad hat off. Yeah. And put on the CEO hat, and we have to have a CEO and employee conversation, not a mom and dad conversation anymore. Right. We have to literally change our roles at times, and that's the only way success, typically successfully to navigate that is to teach people how to do that. And it's not it's not personal, right? But it's you're when you have someone in the family who's in a business, which I guarantee you, there's so many of you out there listening, and you know that someone's not carrying their weight. And you might think, eh, we're, but it's, it's, we're, we're making it work, you're telling yourself. I know if I go in and interview your employees, they're not going to tell me you're making it work. They're going to say, I'm so, it's so annoying to me that this person shows up and they're, they're part owner because they're in the family or their family's ownership or whatever, and they don't do shit. But no one wants to say anything about it because we all want to keep our jobs. Right. So you don't even know what's going on because there's so much resentment typically in the environment and people are afraid to say anything because they don't want to be let go. So <laughs> in that how do you handle that situation? Well, what you do is you wake up and realize that maybe what you say is is you you think it's working, maybe it isn't working and you and you, you, you maybe you have a third party or someone start asking around to have the conversations that people aren't willing to tell you into your face. Mm -hmm. And then when you get enough evidence on that, then you say, "Okay, well, I got to make a decision, you know, and, and quite frankly, if you have a, a, a kid in a business, I say kid loosely because a lot of times they're adults or the young adults and they're not carrying their weight. Do you really think that they're fulfilled and happy anyway? No. Right. I mean, come on, you know, as well as I do, they're probably not. And, and so someone needs, needs to insert themselves and help that person. It's, it could be find a different role and it could be in the wrong seat. Yeah. It could be a lot of things, right? Maybe they belong better somewhere else. It doesn't mean you, you can, you can help, you can still help them, but keeping them in that role they don't belong in, in the wrong seat and looking the other way. Yeah. Just because you're afraid to have some, had some more conflict than you already have. The, the big line items up to this point in terms of secession, um, life insurance, disability insurance, what's one or like, uh, who owns what, yeah, who owns what? So, and how do we make decisions? Who yeah. owns what? How do we make decisions? Right? Those are and then yeah, yes, and then also do I know that I want this business to be, you know, do I want to keep it? Do I want to keep it around or do I not, right? Or do we want to like step away from it and just own the assets yeah, and have That's right. Yep, exactly. So, you know, and it can be different and you say, "Well, why would I want to why would I want not want just want to sell it?" Well, you might or 
you might want to keep it because maybe your kids don't, but maybe your grandkids might be interested in in having some level of that. That can happen. It can skip a generation. But if you sell it, then you're not giving the grandkids any opportunity. So we talk a lot about the importance of a partnership agreement. Yep. Uh, in business. And like that is a lot of what we talked about before is like, okay, like who owns what, who's responsible, like what, whose name is going next to what things on the line items of That's all right. the things we have to do. How is that different from a shareholder agreement? Um, well, a shareholder, I can own something and not have any responsibilities tied to it. Got it. Right. So is it just this idea? I mean, I mean, I use the word partnership agreement, but in a way a partner is a shareholder in some ways. Can very well know? be. Yes, absolutely. They so it's totally not too much different from in a- that regard. No, but the difference in the family businesses though, is you can have a family member who's in the business and, a, and, a, and, and an owner, right? Yeah. And you can have a family member who's not in the business, who's an owner. And you can have a family member in the business who doesn't have any ownership at so- all. So it can be, it can, it can, you know, it, it can be one or, or many or different things. So it sounds like this really just comes down to um, get it in writing and have a lawyer get involved. I, I agree. I think at the having clear, you're, you're absolutely dead on. It's, it's so simple. And how often do people not have clearly defined roles and responsibilities? Right. It's, it's so simple. Right. But they don't. And you, if you can go around, we like to go around an organization and we do discovery and say. How do you know when you're doing a good job? And be, well, when my boss doesn't yell at me, um, when uh, someone smiles, okay, that's not really you know like to me that's like not the, the ideal yeah. answer. Like what what are what are, how are we measuring success with a business based upon your role and and what what do you have to observe? To yeah, know what scorecards right? do we exactly? Have? Yeah, yeah, but oftentimes you don't hear that. It's right. it's hilarious. Oh well, you know. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, how do you know you're doing a good job? Like, how do you know? How do you know your job, your boss? Well, if he doesn't, if he, put it this way, if he thinks I'm doing a bad job, he'll tell me. And if he doesn't say anything to me, then I know I'm doing a good job. Yeah. That's not a good answer. Right. What are your thoughts on nepotism? What do you mean by nepotism? Like, so this idea of favoring in, uh, in giving priority to family. Uh, I, uh, I, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because yeah. I think it's human yeah. nature, right? Yeah, no, like, I, 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 I think we should love our kids, and but we, they shouldn't be giving. Uh, and, and it does happen, and I understand why it does. In families, they get certain exceptions, they get certain rules, and I can understand why that happens. Why but it do takes so many away. people work so hard, right? So they can provide. So they, so there's yeah, something that. a level of security for yeah. those who are closest to you, and you want to provide opportunity to those who are closest to you, right? But if I give you a job and then you show up whenever you want and you leave whenever you want. Right. Because you're a family member, which is what does happen. I would and, imagine. And then, you know, no one says anything, but then people are like, you don't give a shit. He I mean, comes it came in up, when he wants yeah. to come in. He does, you know, whatever. I mean, it's come up recently on the show where somebody um, was working for Chick-fil-A and mm. um, the, the the people who own these Chick-fil-A's, they, it was clear that they were giving the promotions to family members and it was like this like, yeah. family run business. Yep. And there's a part of me that's like, meaning I, I understand nepotism because I think it's human nature Yeah, to, to protect those closest to you and to create opportunity for, and I think as the owner of a business, you're giving yourself kind of the, you, if that's what, if that's, what's important to you, you own the business you should be allowed to provide opportunity to those that are well, close to you. So, but, but on the flip side, what's best for the business? Right. Right. So and there's, I, and I there's some family businesses that have very strong governance. Yeah. And the governance says family members are allowed to come in the company 
And these five conditions are met only. Go to school, so much degree, or whatever type of degree. Work somewhere else first for a minimum of three years, five years, whatever. Um, so these are these are requirements that they, we must have a position open. We're not going to make a position for the family member, and they must fill in, and they must successfully be, be someone we would consider for that role, and then they will be managed in that role based upon expectations by a non-family member. That's what larger successful family businesses do, and that works. Yeah. Why do you think those those things work? What is it about those five things? It's what's well, it, it well a you know it, there's no assumption that if you're in the family you're going to be in the business, right? Right. Because it's, we're, we're, be, because it just creates it creates havoc. It puts pressure on people who might not want to be in the business. Right. That's true too. And then also you, there's requirements. You you've got to earn to get on the field. You don't just get on the field because you're in the fam. Oh, you know what? You're in the family. I own the Rams. You get to play. <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't make. Like, like, is this the Patriots? I mean, maybe well, not playing, okay. but coaching. All right. Let's say let's say you're in the Kraft family, <laughs> and you know your grandfather. He says, "You know what, dude? You're the next Belichick. We need a new Belichick. It's you. You're it. Go. Like now, that seems ridiculous, doesn't it?" Or no? You tell me. I maybe you know a lot about football, and you could, could step right into. Belichick's no, I mean role. it sounds ridiculous. Right? Does it sound ridiculous? Looking at Bill, you know he had his son working for him, right? And they have like no. So I think his son was like his, his offensive or defensive coordinator. Okay, but I mean definitely. A but little... regardless, <laughs> can you imagine? No, right? Because it doesn't make sense. No, you didn't, you didn't even set yourself up to be that person, right? But family businesses do it. They do it. I mean, I think I could argue that the Patriots are still doing it with promoting, you know, Gerard Mayo, the old player. Mm. So, like, they're still staying within the the, yeah, the well, Patriots family, you know. So, but regardless, all, yeah, but anyway. he's still. My point is, like, he's not someone that's a relative of someone that has no mm. experience, has never done anything, and has even, no. even prepped himself to even have the option. Yeah. Right. Well, I think it's. I just think it's in human nature to provide opportunity to those who are closest to you. I get it. And if you have family, they tend to be the closest. And if it's I get not, it. and then I think there's something to be said about promoting from within too. You I get know? that and too. If, so and if the person is qualified, yeah, I'm all in. Yeah. If they if they're willing to show up and put effort into it, I'm all in. They're willing yeah. to develop themselves and become the person that can do it. I'm all in. And then restaurants they can provide. There can be entry level positions. There can be jobs where you can learn on the job, right? You don't. Have, you can earn. You can learn the skills. It's not like an electrician, where you, where you have to have a license, but say to go practice. True, right? There's there, in a restaurant. There could be a role that you could take that someone could teach you how how to how to do something, and you can work your way through and around the kitchen, right? Yeah, and I mean. I think that's one of the, where a lot of restaurateurs go wrong is they don't build these these channels of growth mm. and they don't have the actual framing to say, oh, you want to be the director of operations? Here's the path to right. get there. That's you a know? really good point. Um, yeah. So this has been a lot of fun, Chris. I can't believe yeah. we're already at like, over about an hour and uh, 40 minutes of recording time. It's that crazy like a lot. fast. It goes by so fast, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. Um, is there anything we haven't discussed in terms of secession that we should? Um. No, I, 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 the only thing I put out there is just if you if you have questions, reach out for help, talk to someone that can give some advice. Um, I've had, I've I had a family member, a fa- someone who owned a business, come to me, referred to me last year, and he was really, really was thinking hard about selling the company, which is fine, you know, but the reason he was thinking about selling the company is he just didn't believe that his family members 
could run it without him. And I'm not, that may, I mean, sometimes that may or may not be true, but it's good to, to check in with someone else that can at least litmus test that for you mm-hmm. before you make a decision along that line. Yeah. But that's other than that, I think we've covered covered enough on the topic for today. Well, it was, it was fun getting to know you deeper, man, and going yeah, deeper you. and pulling back some of these layers on the, the information, the things you're an expert in. And I do have a couple more questions before we wrap it up. So what is it about you, a value, a process, a system, something that you do and the work that you do with the clients that you do, about, you know, that makes you truly unstoppable? I think the, the work that we do around someone's really diving into what their life purpose is and tying that to their work, to like their, their soul's journey, if you will, going forward. That's, it kind of reminds me of that story around, you know, uh, Da Vinci and, and David, when he you know, asked him, like, how did you, you know, get David out of this, you know, create this David? And he's like, I, I started with this block and then I removed everything that wasn't David. Mm. You know, like what, what really didn't belong to bring the truth out of what David was. And I think that that it's a big piece of the work that we do. Yeah, I'm happy that you're sharing that because um, like I I've been trying to tease to my listeners in the conversations I'm having that we're relaunching RestaurantStoppable.com. We're gonna have a searchable content library. We're gonna have uh, a level of community with live events and um, just like behind the scenes things, ways for people our listeners to connect. But beyond that, uh, I'm the third level of our continuity plan going forward is if I Eric Cacciatore am opening a restaurant tomorrow. How am I doing it? Who am mm. I going to? We're going to cover four buckets, uh, people, process, promotion, and the last one's personal growth. And it yeah. touches a lot on the stuff that you're talking about today that like, I think a lot of other consultants, I don't consider myself to be a consultant, but I think where a lot of people go come short, they focus on just the business. That's right. And it's just like, listen, that business is shit. That's right. Without an amazing person behind it. So who are you? Right. Get that clarity on who you are, mm. what matters to you, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, own every ounce of yourself yeah. and who you are, and then reverse engineer that. Yeah. And then and and and, and constantly be growing because your business will never grow beyond you. Right. Exactly right. You you are the lid on your business, period. Yeah. And if you apply strategy to a broken mindset. You will not have success. Yeah. It, it, you will you will hit a wall, and it, and I see people. Uh, this is what's happening. The consultants and advisors out there in our space, very few of them do the personal development work. Well, like, you want to do succession? I'll, I'll tell you how to do succession. You know, go from here. Like you said, make yourself. Da, 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 this is a process, okay? But the guy is scared shitless because he built this and he doesn't know what he's going to do with his life because he's got all his significance from running this restaurant. Who's talking about that? Right? Who's working with that person to get really clear on who they are and what their purpose is and how they, how they can make it okay for them to move on? Right? That's that's the, that's the real the real the real work. I think this is the cutting edge stuff. This is the next level. This is the next generation. I think that we're learning so much about people, evolutionary mm-hmm. psychology, evolutionary biology, uh, anthropology, studying the way we were in the past yes. and reverse engineering that. And it all comes down to you working on you. Right. You know, and um, that's the stuff that I geek out over, you yeah. know, and really just trying to recreate those ecosystems mm-hmm. that are best for people to be the best version of themselves. So right, um, we're going to be focusing on a lot of stuff. So I, I, I want to become better friends with you because I feel like I can learn a lot from you. Yeah. Uh, I think Absolutely. you can inspire Anytime. me to, to dive deeper into the personal growth stuff. Uh, you know where the Batcave is now. So is that uh, 
here. <laughs> We're in it. We're in it right now. It's just here. So it might as well like, be. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. be knocking on the door. Look out. Um, in if the mission statement is to um, change the world through inspiring and empowering the industry, how have you personally evolved? Who is the Chris Yonker today versus the younger version of yourself? Um, I don't, I, I really don't get in my head about how I'm showing up anymore. I think that's the biggest thing. One of the biggest things. What do you things. mean by that? I mentioned earlier, like, I'm talking to someone. I'm not going like, oh, how are they looking at me? How are they thinking about me? What are they thinking? What are they doing? I just I just show up with fully present as much as possible with who I'm with in my heart and willing to engage in whatever that means. And that's that's kind of it. Like I'm and I'm and I'm I'm taking in what I'm taking in, which is actually quite a bit. I, I read people really well. Um, but it's and I'm just and I'm just there for the ride. Like I'm not I'm it's 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 it. I'm not trying to make something something that it isn't. Uh, Hawkins' work uh, was a big game changer for me. Power versus force. David Hawkins, really good book, by the way. I plugged that one here. Um, the idea of I'm trying to make something happen. I've got to force it. Whenever I get into force or trying to make shit happen, it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's out of flow. So. I mean, what you just described sounds like 100% my life. I just literally show up to these <laughs> restaurants. I'm like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Right. Isn't that fun? <laughs> it's so much fun. I yeah. Love it. It's like, yeah. But I mean, it's weird because it's like order and chaos, right? Yeah. And I think so much of the business world focuses on order, 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 structure, systems, processes. Yeah. There's so much truth well, to that's, that. Well, let's, let's plug one other idea then real quick here. There's no extra charge for this one. Space. Creating space in your day and time is essential. Because inspiration, ideas, are downloads. They come from going going on walks. They come from right. They come from things right. that they typically come in, in a high flow state. Play, you know, for me, playing tennis, whatever that is, going snowboarding, things that allow us could be meditation, could just be sitting in reflection and, and journaling, taking space. People are like, no, oh, this I don't have time for that. But that's where that's where inspiration, intuition, and creativity right. come from. Yeah, is creating that space, and that 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 is a game changer. That's a necessity. I think the eighty twenty role play comes into play here. I think that you know, to, in order to have an efficiently run business that has the ability to scale and grow beyond you, I think the eighty twenty rule comes in. Where I think you know twenty or eighty percent of your business relies on order, systems, process, yep. standards. But that's that twenty percent hmm. of chaos. That's yeah. the real magic, and it's and it's and it's that's that's where the inspiration comes. That's where the evolution comes. That's where the culture is. That's where the creativity is. And like to your point, you have to leave a little bit of wiggle room between yeah. order and system and process right. for the chaos. Yeah, using the word because they use the word chaos. Uh, but I think what what, what I, I I will what resonates with me on the word chaos is it's not something I'm trying to control. Which is what I, I that that's why I, I I'm, I'm vibing with that word in that regard of maybe maybe what appears to be chaos is in perfect order. What appears to be chaos is in perfect order. Yeah, what what, what appears to be chaos, what if it were in perfect order? But it, or it's not my you order. Just let it be right. Chaos. The order of what is right because chaos is a is a meaning or context I'm assigning to what something is. I right, because like, oh, there's so much going. Like, what depends? Like, what do you do? How do you define chaos? What chaos mean to you? And then, what? How do you imprint that on something else? Right. Well, I mean, yeah, but at the same time, another example would be like any service, right? Like, 
I think there was a period where like how you approached a table at one point got way too stuffy where you, everything's supposed right. to be a script and you're supposed mm, to stick to yeah, the script. It's awful. I cannot and, stand scripted places. There it wasn't oh. that long ago where that was like Oh my god. The, that, I, that was I, like best practice. I never I never got along with people that are that way. Um you know, we just lost a beautiful soul in in, the, in our area, Lenny, which I'm sure you know Lenny or knew of Lenny, worked at Blue Moon for quite a while. And he passed away in the last two weeks. A big, oh, I actually did big, not know him. Yeah, there was a big. Um, they had a, a yeah a, a big gathering, hundreds. Of, I mean, this is someone that worked at like uh, CR Sparks. Uh, he worked at Blue Moon as a as a bartender. He worked like three different places, and um, as well as a, a yoga instructor. Just a really good soul, and and you can tell because I had to wait. 45 minutes to get into the funeral home wow. to pay just you know, out and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. So people out there like in, in these positions, you, you'd, be, you'd be surprised. And what the thing about Lenny that was really fascinating is he always listened very deeply to what you had to say. He didn't say, Oh, how are you doing? And then move on. Right. He'd actually actually wait he was to hear how yeah. you're doing and what's going on. And then he'd dive deep on that. And the next time you saw him, he remembered. He'd that's bring it. Right, he'd bring it right back to the, you know, like so. He was that 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 guy, and that's why the scripting thing is like because it's otherwise it's inauthentic. It's it's like it's just. And I get you have process. Don't right. get me wrong, but the chaos, you know. I, I but I don't want to go in to a restaurant and check in and have chaos and not be able to check in. You know what I'm saying? Or I don't want to go to a hotel to check in my room and have chaos all over the place and not be like that doesn't feel good to me, right? You with me on that? Yeah. Okay. For sure. All right, cool. No, like I said, 80%, 80% <laughs> yeah, is right. ordered. On the right and, places. and But you're not even aware of the order. It's meant yeah. to be subconscious. You're not yeah. even meant to notice You shouldn't feel it. I think that's, yeah. that, that, I think the beautifully run systems for on, 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 the, on the visitor side are systems that you don't even know they're being run. So right? again, back to 80-20 rule, right? If we're saying 80-20... 20% of the work is responsible for 80% of the profit. Yeah. I think it's the chaos in a restaurant, mm. the things that you're talking yeah. about, the human elements, the mm. being able it's to right. f- tune in. Yeah. It's the experience you're creating for somebody, and that's chaos. Because mm-hmm. that, that, should, that should be different for every person that walks in the door because yeah. you should be customizing that experience to them. Right. Right. And that and that's where the returns come. So like chaos is responsible for eighty percent of profit. But yeah. I think the but the eighty percent of actually what keeps the things on the wheels is order, you know, like so mm. like there's this, that number like manifests in yeah. weird ways in the restaurant industry. Yeah, right I didn't mean to go this far cool. into it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, you just you got me thinking. But the last it's question good. I have before you before we officially wrap it up. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow, all the memories of you, your work, your businesses, your consulting all that loss with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Um, I'd figure out to the best of your ability why you're here is what I, one thing I would say. I would say treat each day as a gift and love into the day and love into the people in your life into that day ongoingly. Why are you here? Gratitude. Yeah, I would think gratitude's probably. Yeah, I guess that, that that would be. I guess tied to that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the third? Enjoy the experience and yeah. stop resisting what is. Hmm. Chris, this has been a lot of fun, man. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. Um, well overdue. 
Uh, like Thank we, you. we cross paths way too often. Yeah. This, right on, man. This, this conversation should have happened years ago and hopefully we can have more conversations into the future. And I hope to call you a friend going forward. I really do. I'm, all, I'm here, um, buddy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what about people locally? Uh, are there any restaurateurs locally, people that have really impressed you that you think I should get on the show? Well, that's a great question. You know, I, I, and I, we, we go local. I mean, you know, how or local do we want to go? Wherever. I, I know I, ideally I, I would like you to go to New York city. Um, and, you know, it's a big one, but if you, it, I would be just delighted to hear. And if it gets set up, I, I, I'd love to be able to at least, you know, see the question or, or two. Okay. But uh, Eric Repairs would be up on my, I mean, we've, we've, we've met him, spent time with his restaurant. In fact, I, I sent him a book, my book, uh, after I met him and stuff to uh, his, you know, he's got a restaurant and we were at Blue in the Caribbean, but he's also got obviously New York City. And so I sent uh, I sent a, my book there, and he he emailed me. Nice. He, so he sent me a personal email and thanked me, which I thought was really cool because like cool. that guy's. Imagine how big. I mean, he's a he's a quite a celebrity chef. Yeah, yeah. but it's that's the stuff. That's the chaos right there. Yeah, because what would you know? Like that's the little things of the, the unexpected yeah. that re- make an impression, and it yeah. made an impression on you. And I would yeah. love to get Eric repair it. I read his book Thirty Two Yokes. Uh, I'd love to get him on the show. Actually, he's he. I reached out to him probably like eight or nine years ago. Well, it's time to do so again. But I think it's time to come back around. It is. Yeah. He's well, got a lot. Yeah, I think he's got gonna, a lot of wisdom to give the community. I'm going to clip this right here and send it to him and be like, yep. you know, this guy, Chris. Yep. You emailed him. He you- did. He did. <laughs> he did. He did. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much, my man. How can we connect with you if, if we want to follow up? Um, you can go. To, uh, the, 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 the best URL to get to us is through my name, and that is uh, chrisyonker.com, C H R I S Y O N K E R. Beautiful. And this is episode 1059. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 1059. We'll link to that website and then we'll have a summary of today's discussion over there. Uh, Chris, thank you thank so you. much, my man. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Chris Yonker, for coming on. And man, some guy, this this guy has been on my radar now for 12 years. I've known about this guy and his reputation. Uh, I knew he had a great reputation, and we cross paths everywhere we go. And it was way overdue that I got Chris on the show to share his perspective. To share his perspective, and honestly, this this conversation of succession is way overdue. I feel like uh, there's a lot of generational restaurants out there, and that's a hard conversation to have. What happens? How do you pass a restaurant through the generations of the family? And uh, you know, next week I'm talking to, or actually, we, I already spoke to him, but David Lombardo. Uh, so we have Matt Lombardo from Pink Door Catering. He called out his brother David, fourth generation catering and events. Like we got deep into the the topic of succession there, and I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast who might be the the you know who might have kids who are going to take over the restaurant, or they are the kids and they're having the conversation with their parents. It comes up time and time again. So I'm happy we're able to talk about that today. And man, you, if you're listening to the Restaurant Unstoppable right now, now is the time to be a fan of Restaurant Unstoppable. We have so many cool things happening here. As of today, I am the proud new owner of a 2024 uh, Chevy Silverado 2500 HD. I am halfway to being full-time on the road. So we got the truck secured. We got the, the work. Course secured. Now we just need to get the, the, the camper 
And uh, I'm getting, the, I'm working on getting the financing for that right now. And hopefully in two weeks we are on the road full time chasing the story. And that's what I want Restaurant Unstoppable to be. Is just I just want to go after the story. I want to talk to people. I want word of mouth in the industry to, to be the North Star of Restaurant Unstoppable. I don't want to control the narrative. I want to build a platform for the truth to come out, for the stories to come out, for the knowledge to come out, to be paid forward to the next generation of professionals. And we're not only are we going to be able to go deeper into the stories of these individuals I'm getting on the show, but we're going to go deeper into the stories of the communities. We're going to be able to spend time in these communities and really ring out the people who need to be made an example of. So I'm super excited for the future. Um, we're launching any day now our new website where we're going to have the content library there for you where you can go back and search by geographic, by restaurant type, by guest type, by topic. We're going to save you so much time and help you become more intentional with your listening. And I just want to say a special thanks to Jared Parisi and Callum Viola uh, for the work they're doing behind the scenes to, to relaunch this website, to, to bring Restaurant Stoppable to the next level. I'm so excited for the future, and I can't wait to bring you all along with us. Stay tuned with how you can be involved. So that's it for today. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.